Get your family vehicles ready for summer driving with early Memorial Day deals at Dobbs. Click on GoToDobbs.com for money, save, retire, and service deals today. Dobbs. With 43 locations, real deals are always close by. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Time now for the Character and Smallman podcast, presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. Good morning, everyone, and welcome to Character and Smallman on second round game one day on 101 ESPN. It is the Blues. It is the Colorado Avalanche tonight. 7 to 1, your time check brought to you by Clarkson Jewelers, an officially licensed Rolex jeweler. Good morning, Michelle. How are you doing? You ready? Uh, Randy, I am ready. I've been ready for this since last week. The hated Colorado Avalanche, the, the team worst. that bounced the Blues last year out of the first round of the playoffs. They get their crack at it. Round two, game one, puck drop tonight. We have all your action. Starting with pregame at 7.30 right here on 101 ESPN, and I will be counting down the minutes. I believe that it would be a good thing for the Blues just to get this over with in a hurry. Just put them out of their misery quickly. Right? Win it in four. Just do it in four. Now, I don't think that's going to happen, but I think because it's going to happen to Colorado anyway, I think it's better. Kind of like last year when the Blues got swept, it kind of felt like it didn't happen. I hope for the sake of the Avalanche fans that it just happens quickly and we don't string out their misery. You're concerned about Avalanche fans? No, not really. Yeah, okay. I didn't think so. Not really. Uh, here, let's do... Oop, that's wrong. So, Say yeah, it is! Huh? That's the wrong Open one. The there blues. we go. Go marching in. That's what we were looking for. Oh, when the blues go marching in, oh, I want to be in that number. When the blues go marching in. All right. What do you want us? We're still. Hey, buddy, we're here. You want that? I feel like we need that whole open. I mean, it's it's game hey, one. Buddy, we're here. I think we can find that. As the show unfolds, we'll find it. We're going to talk to Mike Claiborne later on in the show. We're going to talk to Peter Baugh from The Athletic. He used to cover Mizzou, and now he covers the Colorado Avalanche. He's only to make that move. Uh, and then Darren Pang at 9.30. You said what? How'd you like to make that move where you have to cover a Kroenke? You, you leave a place where Eli Drinkwitz is talking to you every day, and you go to a place where Stan Kroenke owns it? Yeah, but doesn't Kroenke put a lot of money into Mizzou? A lot of Jack. Yeah. So it's from one Kroenke really. space to another? No, he quit. He quit on Missouri. Oh, did he? Yeah, he did. And by the way, at 7.30, uh, the top 10 reasons that Stan Kroenke sucks coming up here on Carriker and Smallman why'd on 101 ESPN. Why did he quit on Mizzou? Because he just wants to get out of Missouri, period? Yeah, he kind of quit on the state. Got it. Understand. Yeah. He's a, just a despicable... I, I'm sure that he looks in the mirror and says, despicable me. Nah, he doesn't think that. I think he's despicable. I'm sure he looks in the mirror and says, I'm great. Look how rich I am. He does have a lot of money. That's probably what he says. Yeah. I mean, we're not saying that about him, but that's probably right. what he says, because that's yeah. all he cares about is money. Yeah. He's Cardinals very rich. got rained out to yesterday, Michelle, so they'll play a doubleheader in New York today, 2 and 6.30. Okay, question for you. Yes. Mid-May games, 
uh, we're uh, team okay so far. It's not great. So do you make an effort on a beautiful 85-degree day in St. Louis to sit in front of your TV at 2 in the afternoon? Or do you kind of just find out about the game later? So I will because it's our job. Yeah. If it was not my job, there's 0% chance that I would waste an 85-degree day on a on a 2 p.m. start. I know. It's You can listen on the radio if you're doing something. Go for a bike ride and listen on the radio to John Rooney and our friend Ricky Horton. You could. That's true. But are you agreeing? Are you saying that you don't want to watch the game and you want to go play golf? I, I actually played golf yesterday and I'm going to play later in the week. But I might go for a bike ride at some point and just listen. Now, if the team was better, would you want to watch the game? If the Cardinals were playing the way the Dodgers are playing, then I would probably more in, be more inclined to uh, make sure that I'm sitting before the TV at 2 o'clock. There's no doubt that I will see a, a, the, the majority of this baseball game. You mean if they're playing like they played on Sunday? Yeah, exactly. There you go. Yeah, there Maybe you it's go. a carryover from Sunday. Maybe be. this is the start that we don't want to miss. That might be. <laughs> and uh, by the way, the start will be Miles Michaelis against Trevor Williams, and then Jordan Hicks will start the nightcap tonight against Taiwan Walker. As we mentioned, the Blues in action tonight, 7.30 pregame here on 101 ESPN, 8.30 faceoff against the Colorado Avalanche. And again, like they were against Minnesota, the Blues are underdogs. Head coach Craig Berube. Well, guys would be motivated anyhow, whether we're underdogs or not, but... You know, we don't really look into that stuff. You know, that's fine. They had a great year. We should be. I mean, well, they end up with 119 points. Pretty good team. I mean, they you know went stretches without losing, and um, well, they got a gr- really good team over there. You know, we're gonna have to do a lot of things right, and we're you know. He is right, a hundred percent. The Blues should be underdogs. But Michelle, don't you get the sense, maybe not from Barubi, but from guys like David Perron, Jordan Bennington. There is a, a circle of blues players that love to prove people wrong. Of course. They love to have a chip on their shoulder, mm-hmm. manufactured or not. I'm sure rationally they could look at the Colorado Avalanche. They've seen them this season and, and realize how good they are and look at the blues record and say, yeah, technically we should be underdogs here. We should not be favored to win versus the Avalanche. But I think they like that. Look at Jordan Bennington. He likes to go into opposing arenas mm-hmm. and get booed and chanted at. He loves to be put in situations like that. That's when guys, certain guys thrive. And I think that this, this veteran group, We've seen them do it in 2019, most of them, and I think that it's going to benefit them to be underdogs. That was one of the big things with the greatest show on turf under Mike Martz, not Vermeil as much. But but Martz would always talk about to those players, hey, there's nothing greater than going on the road and quieting that other crowd and having them leave midway through the fourth quarter. That has to be such a great feeling. Yeah. When you go into someone else's building and they're screaming at you, they're booing at you, they Mm -hmm. probably have signs that say terrible things about you, and then you watch their faces go from pure joy and excitement into misery. It's it's sensational. And hopefully the Blues will be able to do that tonight because they, as Herb Brooks told his team, play their game. And the impact of having the puck in the offensive zone for the Blues is going to be everything. Well, it is the best way to do it for sure. But again, it's having people on the right side of the puck, too, when the puck turns over. That's going to kill their speed a lot of times. That's going to kill their rush play. Now, um, D-zone coverage, like they are very active with their D. And um, these D, the three of them, D, have the ability to, 
you know, make one little move and, and get by you. So you got to protect middle ice more than anything, I think, in D-zone coverage and do a good job there and, and keep things on the outside. And you, you got to buy your, bide your time a little bit. Um, you got to be patient. You know, you can't get impatient when they're possessing the puck and doing some things, keep money outside and we'll get our opportunity with a broken play or something will happen and, we get, and then we got to get going the other way. Bruby is coaching us up there. Now we know what to look for tonight. You know, obviously, you want to keep the puck to the outside, but you have to do the little things right in terms of possessing the puck to beat a team like Colorado, and you can't let their little defenseman kill you. And he's going to try. Yeah, they're going to try. They're going to try. But the big thing is keeping the puck away from those guys. That is so true because... They're so good. They're, the margin for error is very slim for the Blues. They mm-hmm. need to control the puck as much as they can, play their style of hockey, and they need to be disciplined. You don't want to get in the box. No. If you do against Colorado, they're lethal. They have some of the best players in the world. And even though their power play during the regular season wasn't as prolific as the Blues, it was still a top 10 power play. And when you're dealing with people like Rantanen, who has one of the best shots in the world, and Landis and obviously McKinnon and Carantaves, just go down the list, Gerard. You've got a ton of skill on that team, and you don't want to give them any advantages like a man advantage. Yeah, their power play, I think, rings first so far in the postseason, yeah. too. They've been unreal in the postseason. Well, they, they swept the Preds. Yeah. Meanwhile, Brandon Saad heads back to Denver for a second round. What is, what's it going to be like for him playing against the Avalanche after he played for them against the Blues last year in the playoffs? Yeah, I think uh, you kind of move on pretty quickly. It's not like I was there a long time, but... Um, it was a fun year, a lot of success, and um, you get to know the guys and establish relationships. So, uh, but it's a hockey series. You know, we're going to face it like any other team, and uh, focus on ourselves. And I'm looking forward to being out there. Now, one thing the Blues have that Colorado doesn't in recent years among this group of players is the Stanley Cup. So, Brandon Saad, how can the Blues be confident coming into this one? Yeah, I think uh, you saw it last series. You know, I think uh, we have a lot of different scoring, a lot of different. Uh, depth scoring that can help us win. Um, our goaltending played really well last series. So, uh, and then obviously defensively we had some injuries, but we had some guys getting healthy, and uh, we feel good up and down the lineup. So I think we just got to focus on what we can do well. I legitimately do think the Blues have a chance here. I don't think that they're an overwhelming underdog like the national media narrative would like you to believe. No. But didn't the national media pick the Wild? They did. Despite the Blues' overall record versus the Wild, in the last 14 meetings, the Blues were 12-1-1, one, and one, and they took it to them this season, and everybody still expected the Wild to win. The Blues are generally overlooked nationally. Mm-hmm. I don't know why, when you look at the depth that they have on this team, when you look at the fact that a couple years ago they won a Stanley Cup, when you look at the coaching advantages that they have, the way their special teams have played all year, I don't know why they're constantly overlooked and frankly disrespected a lot when it comes to the national media, but I like it that way. I want Colorado to think, oh, we can handle the Blues. I want everybody to think that the Blues aren't as dangerous as they are. If Jordan Bennington continues to play the the way that he has been, the Blues have an advantage. And I just think there's so many different guys that can beat you on this team. The depth is going to be something that carries them through. We will have all the action for you tonight, and obviously we'll be previewing the Blues and the Avalanche throughout the day here on your Home of the Blues 101 ESPN. That's Michelle. I'm Randy. Matthew Rocchio is here. And coming up, we've got four predictions for the Blues versus the Avalanche here on 101 ESPN. We're right back to the Character and Smallman podcast, presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. 
Before the first round series against Minnesota started, Matthew Rocchio asked Michelle and I to pick our previews for the series, which included series MVP, Thorn in the Side for the Blues, the mismatch, and our prediction for the series. And Michelle, we both were about 50-50 in our selections previewing that series. Let's roll the tape. Yeah, let's do it. You did a great job of picking a thorn in the side. Oh, didn't I pick Kaprizov? You did. Yeah, I just my my thought process there was we he would be so good that we would hate him. Even though mm-hmm. we respect him and his skill and he's not a dirty player. This is not going to be somebody like um you know, I'm trying to think of Kadri. Kadri, who we're obviously going to talk about a lot coming up. It's not going to be a Kadri type situation. I just thought he was going to be so good that he was going to be a thorn in the blue side. And in fact, he was. Now, I thought after game one that your pick of Huso for series MVP was an absolute lock after he got the shutout. Yeah, not so much, though. <laughs> not so much. It didn't end up that way. But he did have a great game one. You're right. And the reason that the Blues won was the mismatch that you picked. The Blues special teams dominated. Yes, they did. That was a huge game or a huge component in the Blues' victory over the Wild. I think the special teams are going to play a big role versus the Avs, too. I would think so, too. And you picked the Blues in seven. They won it in six. No complaints there. No, thank you guys for proving me wrong. Thank you, St. Louis Blues. My MVP of the series was Vladdy Hattie Natty Daddy. So Big Vladdy Daddy. It's Big Daddy Vladdy Natty Hattie. Hattie, yeah. Big Vladdy Daddy Daddy Hattie. There we go. And he did get a hat trick, which was great, a natural hat trick, which helped the Blues win a game. I don't know if I'd go so far as to say he was the MVP. I think I would go with Bennington, actually. I probably would, too. But the great part about this Blues team and about their round one victory is that you could argue several guys right. for MVP, including Vladimir Tarasenko. And that's the blues for you. I picked Nicholas Delaurier to be the thorn in the side. He was invisible during the series. I would say if I had a guy that I didn't like during that series, uh, it probably would have been Felino. But... The- um, I would say Cap- Capri- Cap- Spurgeon's on the list for yeah, me. Yeah, absolutely, yeah. <laughs> but Kaprizov was the biggest thorn in their side. Yeah. Uh, side. Uh, I picked the Blues' physicality and size, and they were able, over the course of the series, to wear Minnesota down. I picked the Blues in six, and lo and behold, they won in six. All right, so let's go to this series against the Colorado Avalanche. Michelle, your series MVP is... It's tough because I have two different guys I'm looking at here, but I'm going to go with David Perron and not just because he's our guy and he's going to get the character and Smallman bump, but we saw the way that he looked in round one. He had the hat trick. He had nine points in that first round. And this is a guy that does not forget. We talk to him every week. We know how motivated he is. He's going to remember what it was like last year when he was positive for COVID and he was sitting in his basement watching his teammates get swept by the Colorado Avalanche. He is going to want to come out and set the tone. He's been waiting for this one. I think David Perron is going to be the series MVP. I love that pick. I am going to go with the guy that's saying, oh, let me walk as a free agent, will you? I'm going with Brandon Saad. He's a playoff player. He comes up big come playoff time. And especially against Colorado, I think that he's going to have a little bit of revenge on his mind. Love that. Love that. My other pick was Braden Chen. I think Mm -hmm. that we are going to see Braden Chen be physical. He was great in round one. He just has such incredible situational awareness. He always knows when to levy the big hit or when he needs to drop the mitts and and rile his team up. I I just think that we're going to see him continue to be all over the ice and be the one that's motivating for the St. Louis Blues. All right, Michelle, now the biggest thorn in the Blues side for Colorado. Who will that be? 
so this one was difficult too because they have, they have, they have so many talented players. And I wanted to go with a talented guy the way I did with Kaprizov in round one, but I think it's going to be Kadri. Kadri is going to be a thorn in the side. There's no doubt about it. But I'm going to go with Kale McCarr. McCarr had 10 points in the four games against Colorado, uh, against Nashville. He had three goals, seven assists, including a game winner in overtime. 10 points in four games. He's red hot. He's really, really good. He should win the Norris Trophy as the best defenseman in the NHL. So I'm going to go with Kale McCarr as the biggest thorn in the blue side. You know who else I almost picked? Is Kemper. Darcy Kemper yep. has been playing great, and I, I think that he could steal a game for the Colorado Avalanche and just be an absolute beast in between the pipes, and he could be the biggest thorn yeah. in the blue side. But I'm going with Kadri because I just don't think that guy can help himself, and if Braden Shen's out there being physical, if the Blues are levying their physicality and, and utilizing their style of play, I think it, that's going to drive him nuts, and we're going to see him pop off. Yeah, I, my hope would be that that would happen, that McCarr will pop off, and that at some point with all four officials skating up ice, that a blue goes a little Jeff Cortnall on Kemper and just runs him. It'd be fun. I'd like to see it. All right, biggest mismatch in the series. This one's tough because the Colorado Avalanche are top to bottom a really, really strong team. But I think it's going to come down again to special teams. I think that the Blues, um, and specifically their PK, their penalty kill, I think is going to be something that's really beneficial to them. So the Avs power play is first in the postseason. Now the Blues is third so far, but when it comes to PK, the Blues have an advantage over the Colorado Avalanche. So seventh in the postseason so far for the Avs, uh, or excuse me, for the Blues, tenth so far for Colorado. I think that the Blues have been lights out so far on special teams. It's something that carried them through round one, and if they can continue that, I think that might be the edge that they need to beat the Colorado Avalanche. I'm with you. I think the there is a serious mismatch in favor of the Blues in terms of special teams. Michelle, I'm going to go with the fact that the Blues are so big with all of their big 200-pound forwards, and the three main ice time defensemen for Colorado are McCarr, 5'11", 187, Devin Taves, who's 6'1", 191, and Samuel Girard, who's 5'10", and 170. I really do think that those guys can expect to be stapled against the end boards a few times by the Blues forwards. I think the Blues forward size against... The Colorado defense size will make a difference. If ever there was a series for the Blues to be spending their life in the blue paint, it's now. Because those three guys are terrific offensively, and they have good sticks. But you can knock them around defensively. And if you're Braden Shen, if you're Ryan O'Reilly, if you're David Perron, if you're uh, Vladdy Tarasenko, Buchnevich, any Blues forward... You get into that blue paint and you jostle Darcy Kemper because those guys aren't knocking you out. Yeah, jostle away. Jostle yep. away. Can I throw one more thing in there from mm-hmm. a mismatch perspective? Absolutely. We talked about this with David Perron yesterday, and the Colorado Avalanche could come out flying tonight and completely prove me wrong. I do think there's something to the fact that they took care of business so quickly against the Nashville Predators, and they've just been sitting around since May 9th. Yes, they've been rested. Yes, they've had time to get healthy. But this is the Stanley Cup playoffs, and we know how momentum and sharpness is so important. The Blues did have a couple days, too, to get their legs right. But I just think if you've been sitting around for almost 10 days and you're at home, which Mm -hmm. a lot of People think that home ice advantage is huge. David Perron has changed my mind on that forever about starting on the road and how it's a business trip. And you don't have to worry about getting tickets for anybody. You go straight to the hotel. You're only focused on the task at hand. I think those two things are going to really benefit the Blues. The fact that the Avs have just been sitting around waiting for almost 10 days and the fact that the Blues are starting on the road. Those intangibles could be a mismatch for Colorado. Let me throw another thing at you. Down the stretch, the Blues were playing for home ice against Minnesota. They were intense 
tense every night because they had to be. Yeah. Then they had to play a tough series against Minnesota. The Nashville Predators were playing a minor league goalie in the in the four game sweep by Colorado of the Predators. I wonder when the last time the Avalanche had to play a seriously intense hockey game was. Yeah, to be at a hundred. Yeah, because this division was over with two months left in the season. The Blues have been playing intense playoff-type hockey for a couple of months. Well, they've, they've had to because they had to come back and get into the, the race and then be what they became, a third-place team, and had a real good test in the first round. I bet you you have to go back to January for the last time that Colorado had to be intense, maybe even before that. And talent always rises to the top. Mm-hmm. It's not as if the the Blues are going to be able to steamroll them by any measure. But I do wonder if there's a calibration period for you to get all the way up to not only game 100% game speed, but 100% playoff game speed. That's completely different. I would think so. All right, predictions. What do you got? So I picked Blues in seven last round, and they did it in six. Mm-hmm. And because I am superstitious Sally, I'm going to pick the Blues in seven again, hopefully They'll handle them in six. I hope I'm wrong again. Michelle, I picked the Blues in six against Minnesota, and they won in six. Uh, Being superstitious Sam, (laughs) I am going to pick the Blues in six again because they did it before, and I think they'll do it again. Blues in six over Colorado. Okay, done. All right, we did that. Does Matthew even have a—have you thought about this? Have you put some serious, deep thought into this, Blues in four? I, you better it, not be not gonna, Colorado. I'm sorry, it's not going to happen. I'm, I'm going to go with Blues and Six. Okay. I think I think you're smart again, rolling with your mass, your mismatch being the size. My question is 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 there a, is there a part? That's the worry because you can't out skate the Colorado Avalanche. Nope. It doesn't it, that possibility does not exist. So is there a part where maybe the Blues just aren't heavy enough to take them off their game, and now they're going to get out skated for the majority of it? That's the thing I'm worried yeah. about. But I can't see any other way this matchup plays out for the Blues. They have to play heavy. Got to knock them around a little bit. And you know what? They'll be up for that task. They're going to be up for that task. I think your second call, Shen, as the MVP, probably wouldn't yep. be the one I'm going with. He's going to be playing. I mean, he's going to be playing with, with with his helmet off. Essentially, I mean, he's going to be flying around with his hair on fire. It's going to be fantastic. If you are out to eat in St. Louis today, if you're at Schnooks, if you're at Mobile on the Run, Quick Trip, whatever, it's almost inevitable that you're going to see a Cronky Sucks T-shirt from Arch Apparel because they're popular. They're flying off the shelves, Michelle. Yes, they are because Stan Cronky sucks. You know. Truer words have never been spoken. That guy absolutely sucks. He does. There's not one redeeming quality about that dude. Zero. He's over. You suck. There you go. So coming up here on 101 ESPN, <laughs> the top 10 reasons that Stan Kroenke sucks with Character and Smallman on 101 ESPN. We're right back to the Character and Smallman podcast presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. Well, I told everyone in the room today that I have not been able to understand the emotion since 2002. This is a guy that is just a bad, bad guy. And the Blues will take on Stan Kroenke's Colorado Avalanche tonight. And Michelle, I think it's safe to say that Stan Kroenke sucks. <laughs> that might be the safest thing you've ever said, Randy, especially yeah. to this audience in St. Louis, Missouri. I don't think there's one person that's listening to this show that's like, oh, come on. He's a nice guy. He's swell. He's a sweetheart. <laughs> yeah. Well, we've got 10 reasons for you, at least 10, why Stan Kroenke does indeed suck. Number 10. 
I'll kick things off, Randy, with number 10. How about the fact that Stan Kroenke owns multiple sports franchises? We know that he has a hand in the Avalanche and the Nuggets and, of course, the Rams. How about the fact that he owns Arsenal, which was a once-proud football club, 135-year-old football club based on the north side of London? And instead of being a great steward and putting the care and love into that great team that he should, he spent all his time building a stadium in L.A. and worrying about the Rams. Think about what he's done to Arsenal. They had to stage demonstrations called Cronky out because they want this guy out so badly. They had won the Premier League 13 times and a European Cup in 1994. They had won 14 FA Cups, two League Cups. Not so much since Stan Kroenke's taken over. He has really buried Arsenal. The Gunners absolutely hate this guy. They haven't been in the mix for the Premier League since at least 2015. They haven't played in the Champions League since 2016. And he reportedly, Randy, hasn't even visited Arsenal since 2018 because he's been so wrapped up in what's happening with the Rams. So if we're looking at reasons why Stan Kroenke sucks, what he's done to the Gunners fan base is coming in at number 10. We stand in solidarity with Arsenal fans. Get out of our club. Number nine. Michelle, Stan Kroenke never used his resources for good in St. Louis or pretty much anywhere. Most wealthy people in St. Louis, if you go around our community, utilize some of their largesse for the joy and betterment of the community. The Taylor family is funding a new stadium and soccer team. The Enterprise uh, Corporation has done unbelievable things for St. Louis, given millions to St. Louis public schools. Just a sliver of what they've done. The Danforth Campus at Wash U. Worldwide Technology with Jim Cavanaugh and Dave Stewart and Tom Strunk doing amazing things for St. Louis at the Muni and at the racetrack and employing thousands of people. You have the McDonald Medical Campus at Wash U. You have the Bush Student Center at SLU. Heck, the Bush family opened their home for you to visit. And Grant's Farm is still there and free. Go to Forest Park, go to any campus, any hospital, and search for Stan Kroenke's name on any philanthropic endeavor. I challenge you, he doesn't share his wealth like nice people do. He sucks. He's the worst person I've ever met. Number eight. Number eight, Randy. Remember when Stan Kroenke was fighting with the city of St. Louis for money? to build a stadium downtown. There could have been a beautiful riverfront stadium, a brand new building, but he was fighting the city of St. Louis on public money. That's right, a guy worth $10 billion, over $10 billion, was fighting with the city for money, a couple hundred million dollars. Then what did this dude do? He got what he wanted. He did all of the manipulation needed to move the Rams to LA. And then he privately funded the stadium for $5 billion. So you mean to tell me that the publicly funded Funded money on the table wasn't enough for you to stay in St. Louis, but then you're going to write your own personal check to have this palace in Inglewood? I don't think so. You could have gotten it done here. You just didn't want to. You really did a, a St. Louis dirty in the process, and that's why you suck. Number seven. All right, Michelle, number seven. Kroenke signed off on the relocation proposal that was a pack of lies and deceit. The economic claims in the book report were immediately debunked by Mike Ozanian at Forbes. It conveniently forgot that St. Louis does have St. Louis County and St. Charles County and the east side and focused only on the city in the report, which was a joke. It would have been like saying that all of L.A. is just Inglewood if they would have made a similar proposal. And the other owners didn't know. They aren't studying St. Louis, so they took it hook, line, and sinker 
There was a load of deceit and a load of lies in that relocation proposal, and Sam Kroenke signed off on it. You suck! The worst. Absolutely the worst. Number six. I'm playing this up a little bit, Randy. I don't usually like to poke fun at people for the way that they look. But ah. When you're worth $10 billion, you think you get a better hairpiece. I mean, I know your family owns Walmart, but that doesn't mean you have to buy your rugs there, <laughs> both for your home and your head. What is this guy doing? Spring for the money to get a better hairpiece, dude. The sideburns and the mustache don't match the rug half the time. Yeah. What is that? It looks like a raccoon. It might be a raccoon from Mora, Missouri. I thought he was trying to distance himself from his roots in Missouri. might be the one thing that ties him here. I don't know. I just can't understand it. You got all this money, man. Change it up. (laughs) Number five. All right, Michelle. In April of 2010, Kroenke told Bernie Miklas, quote, I'm going to attempt to do everything I can to keep the Rams in St. Louis. Just as I did everything that I could to bring the team to St. Louis in 1995, I'll do my damnedest. On that very same day, he was registering the franchise as a California company. And the Rams aren't in St. Louis anymore after he used no effort to keep them here. Another reason why Stan Kroenke sucks. The worst person I've ever met. Number four. You mentioned, Randy, that Stan Kroenke had humble roots in Mora, Missouri. That's right. This guy is from Missouri. Actually, should I just change this and make one of the reasons he sucks is that he did this to his home state? Yeah. That I don't even think we have that on our list. But the fact that this guy is from Missouri, he could have done unbelievable things for the city of St. Louis and for his home state, poured his resources in, as you mentioned, gotten the building built. He could have done so much with the money that he would have saved from getting the money from the uh, public funding to do things for the city, charities even. But no, he doesn't care. He doesn't care. That I mean, this guy makes Judas look like a nice dude. It's unreal. <laughs> but what I was going to say, Randy, my actual thing I was going to say is that he, being from Missouri, grew up in a household that revered the Cardinals as most households in Missouri do, or at least around the St. Louis area. And his name is Enos Stanley Kroenke. He was named after two great Cardinals, Enos Slaughter, and of course, Stan the Man Musial. The fact that you're named after these two guys, specifically Stan Musial, who could not have been more of a prince of a man and cared about people, and you're going to be the person that you are, the fact that you you made Stan Musial's name be so muddied is a reason that you suck. Sickening. Number three. Uh, Michelle, this one's pretty simple. Uh, the guy likes and pays Nazem Kadri. Okay, <laughs> Nazem Kadri tries to hurt people physically. He tries to take them out. He did with Justin Falk last year in the playoffs, got suspended for it. Two years in a row, Kadri has been suspended in the playoffs. Eight times overall in the NHL because he doesn't play within the code that most NHL players play with. He is the hockey version of Stan Kroenke. He is uh, their syncopato. And the fact that he that Stan Kroenke likes and pays Nazem Kadri, part of the reason he sucks. You suck. Number two. Number two, Randy. And the bad thing about this segment is that we're leaving a lot of good stuff on the table we'll here. We'll report some of this. <laughs> we're leaving a lot of reasons why this dude sucks on the table. But I'm going to pivot here. And I think one of the things that I dislike the most about Stan Kroenke is the fact that he's silent Stan. You own all of these sports franchises and you're supposed to be a steward for the fans. You're supposed to take great care of this product and take great care of something that means a lot to a lot of people and to a lot of generations. There's roots in these organizations 
organizations and you don't even speak or engage with the fan base at all. You don't feel like it's required of you. You don't feel like you owe anyone an explanation and he has the, you know, that emoji where it's the zipper over the mouth. That's mm-hmm. Stan Kroenke. And the fact that he doesn't engage with his fan bases at all and that he's silent Stan, that's number one for me. You suck, you suck, you suck. And the number one. Michelle, I'll tell you, along those very lines, I said that he liked and paid Nazim Kadri. That was my number two and overall number three. The fact that he likes and pays Kevin Demoff is number one. True, but Kevin Demoff did do everything that Sam Kroenke asked him to do. He did all of his dirty work. In a pretty slimy manner. True, but, but what do they say? Too. Birds of a feather stick together? Yeah, you, you hire a slimy guy to carry out your dirty work. It's just kind of unseemly. But if you're going to do slimy and dirty things, you need to hire someone to execute those slimy and dirty things. Along those lines, Michelle, one of the things that was left on the cutting room floor, he hired Jeff Fisher. <laughs> Knowing that Jeff Fisher had moved a franchise before. And Asked that would him be, about it in the interview. Be up for the task. Yep. Yeah. Yep. How about this one? And Doug Vaughn down the hall was there for this. Wouldn't let the media use public restrooms while he was in there. He had his goons stand outside public restrooms at stadiums and wouldn't let the, at halftime of games, wouldn't let the media in while he was using a restroom. Public restrooms. Yeah, right. I wonder if you're the worst person I've ever met. Right there. Right there. How about this one, Michelle? He wants to buy Rams Park, which is being utilized for kids here in the St. Louis area. It's the Lou Fuse Youth Sports Complex. Youth Sports Complex. And he wants to buy that facility for a dollar because it was in his contract when the St. Louis County citizens bequeathed it to him back in 1996. We're getting so many texts to the Air Comfort Service text line 65780. Randy, like this one from the 636. Don't forget about the dozens of poor people he threw out of their homes on the ranch he bought in Texas. One even committed suicide over it, losing his home to Stan. Wagner Ranch in Texas. Largest ranch in the United States. And Stan did do that. And along those lines, Michelle, is preventing anglers in British Columbia, Canada from crossing over his massive land to fish publicly owned lakes because the boundaries of the the lakes are within his land. He won't allow people to cross over to fish on public waters. And they, they did for years before he bought the ranch. Again, if it's public waters, let people have access to mm-hmm. them. Yeah, be nice. No, he's it's impossible. That's the thing. I wonder if he's even seen the lakes that he won't allow people to fish on. That's the thing, too, about this guy. Don't you have enough to worry about? Don't, aren't you worried about all of these businesses that you have or counting your money for mm-hmm. you to, to stop people from fishing on public waters? Why is this something you're even concerning yourself with, Stan? Exactly, right. Or, you know, I don't even want to call him Stan. Cronky. Cronky. Shouldn't, you shouldn't have the namesake of Stan Musial if you're this big of a loser. Enos the... But I guess he is a winner. He won the Super Bowl. Yeah. Cheated. <laughs> uh, by the way, he also conspired with Roger Goodell to keep his L.A. land purchase secret so that he could sell more Rams tickets to unknowing, unsuspecting St. Louis fans. So, you know, you told his henchman, yeah, we want to be here. We plan to be here. We're gonna, we, we want you to buy tickets. And then all the while, he and his henchman knew that they were going to move the franchise. Pretty despicable. At least Bill Bidwill said, hey, if I don't get a stadium, I'm leaving. How about the fact, Randy, and you'll help me out here because I won't remember the exact verbiage here, but that he helped 
Jerry Jones and Stan together conspired to make all of the relocation guidelines just magically disappear in order to get the team to L.A. And then when it came down to the funding, he was basically ready to sue the NFL. All the guys that helped him get where he wanted to go, he was ready to turn on them in a heartbeat for money. Pretty slimy. So those are, heck, we, we came up with 15 reasons. And the text came up. Text line came up with more. There's so many more people saying he's the worst. His family owns Walmart. Done. How about this one in L.A.? Don't think this guy is only considered garbage here in STL. This is from the 630. I just spent 10 days in L.A. with my daughter. She showed me apartments in Inglewood next to his stadium that used to rent for 1500 a month. Now they're up to 2500 a month with no upgrades. Stan, you suck. Can't disagree with that. He does. And those are our top 10 here on 101 ESPN with Carriker and Smallman. Next up, get your text into the Air Comfort Service text line 65780. Take it or leave it is coming your way on 101 ESPN. We're right back to the Carriker and Smallman podcast presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. Take it or leave it. Give us your feedback now by texting 65780. It's Take It or Leave It with Carriker and Smallman on 101 ESPN. Powered by Gloria Lou Realty. Visit GloriaHasTheBuyers.com and start packing. Michelle, Randy, Matthew with you on 101 ESPN. Get your text into the Air Comfort Service text line 657804. Take it or leave it. Michelle, you know how sometimes relationships are on again, off again. Sometimes we're together, sometimes we're not. Sure, yeah. Apparently that's the case with Jeannie Buss and Phil Jackson, who, mm. by the way, has been given a ton of autonomy and juice in the Lakers front office. He has. Bill Plaschke of the LA Times saying that... He's heard, quote, Phil would like LeBron traded. He said, I've just heard that. I do know that Phil would like to keep Westbrook and try to make it work with him. Oh, no. Take it or leave it. Of all the transactions in sports history, the Lakers trading LeBron would be the biggest and most talked about. In sports history? Ever. Bigger than... Wayne Gretzky getting traded from the Edmonton Oilers to the Kings, bigger than Russell Wilson getting traded to the Broncos, bigger than what baseball trade do we want to do? Willie Mays getting traded to the Mets at the end of his career. You know, I might take that just because of the era that we're Mm -hmm. in with all of the 24-7 media plus social media. But I also think it would be the fact that you're trading away LeBron James in favor of Russell Westbrook. I know. What's Phil thinking? That, that to me, would, would certainly vault it right to the top because LeBron, yes, he's at a certain point in his career. And I'm sure if you're the Lakers, you might know that it's the end of the road for him. And I don't know what he where his headspace is. You know, he wants to play with his son. Mm-hmm. So um, how long is he really intending on staying there anyway? But it's been proven that Russell Westbrook is just not a team guy. He right. he just is difficult. He's a very talented person, but for some reason, it just doesn't gel. There's a reason why he's become a bit of a journeyman because it just doesn't work with him. So why would Phil Jackson think that Russell Westbrook would be the answer? I am far from a basketball expert, but even this past year, and the Lakers didn't make the playoffs. I don't know how your team is better by trading LeBron James. I don't care who you get back. Well, within reason. I mean, you aren't getting Giannis for LeBron, right? You aren't getting uh, 
some Joel Embiid for LeBron. I don't know how you make yourself better by not having LeBron. And did I say that right? By, by how do you make yourself better by trading LeBron off your team? Yeah, when you're looking at issues that they're dealing with, I would not even put LeBron in the top five. No. I mean, no. Anthony Davis can't stay healthy. Exactly. The, the chemistry with what Russell Westbrook. I mean, there's just so many things with the Lakers. They were an absolute mess down the, down the stretch. Mm-hmm. I, I think you could still build around LeBron, and he's still obviously talented enough that he could be a, a champion. Is he going to be the guy that he was when he carried the Cavs to a championship or the guy that we saw with the Heat? Of course not. But he's still LeBron James. Unless he's going to be a problem because he doesn't have power anymore. The biggest problem they had was that they gave him the power to bring in Westbrook and Carmelo Anthony and bring back a used up Dwight Howard and all his buddies. You can't give him control, but man, if you have him as a player, you take him as a player. Okay, I- I have another take it or leave it, but take it or leave it. If LeBron was traded by the Lakers in favor of Russell Westbrook, ESPN would explode. I'll take that. Uh, they they would just they would <laughs> blow out every single commercial oh my God. for like seventy two hours. It, it would be their version of Armageddon. I can't. As somebody that worked at the network, it would be all hands on deck, mm-hmm. code red. Every everyone what? who is off, you're not yep. off today. Be you're coming in. You guys would have to. You guys would have to like stop me and Jackson from locking everybody else out of the studio and just <laughs> going on a, a seven hour tirade of our own. Right. That would blow my mind. It, it would, would be inf- crazy. It would inf- honestly. It would honestly make me mad. It would be bigger than Brady Lee. Leaving the Patriots because th- there was build yeah. up to that. Right. There, what you expected a decision, whereas this would be kind of not out of nowhere because mm-hmm. you're talking about what Bill Plaschke's heard, but still, this would be so different. By the way, Bill Plaschke, an SIUE guy, he's he's from here, but he's been in LA forever, and he's yeah. really he's tied into the Lakers. So I don't, I, I would never dispute what he says about what's going on inside the Lakers front office. Yikes, that's. That's an interesting nugget, Randy. Mm-hmm. Okay, so I saw this on my timeline yesterday. Uh, someone retweeted it from Barshall Sportsbook, and I said, oh, I'm going to save that for a Tioli. Take it or leave it. And again, this is something that Barshall tweeted out. Would you rather have $100,000 in cash or have your favorite team win a championship? That was the question that they posed. Take it or leave it. You're taking the cash. Take it. Take it or leave it. If the Blues had not won the Stanley Cup in 2019, you would not take the cash. Take that. You're exactly right. You're 100% correct. I've had the opportunity and the good fortune to experience three Cardinal championships that I remember, and the Stanley Cup championship is not going to get any better than 2019. So, yeah, I'd take the 100K. It's all and I'd about. Share it. I, I wouldn't be Stan Kroenke. I'd share it with you guys. That's right. It's all about desperation factor. Yeah. Right? In 2019, if someone came up to you before the, the Star Series and said, mm-hmm. you can either have $100,000 right now or the Blues are going to go on to win the Stanley Cup. If you were right in the thick of the NHL playoffs, of the Stanley Cup playoffs, you're, you're not taking the money. There's no. no way. No. And you know what? Sometimes I am too reactive for things like this. Like when I passed up the, the master's trip. I can't believe that. When I was walking into the 2001 divisional playoff game between the Rams and the Packers, I crossed the street and a distressed Packer fan wearing his Brett Favre jersey comes up to me and says, how many tickets you got? And I said, two, because it was me and Patrick. He said, I'll give you $1,000 for each of them. I said, no, we're, we got to go watch the game. Just walked right past him. Didn't even think about it. Didn't even consider it. Wow. Probably should have taken the two. We had the TV set up outside and everything. Probably should have taken the two grand. 
Can you, for those who haven't heard it, tell the master story again? Because yeah. this is one of the all-time what-were-you-thinking moments. It was really stupid. <laughs> so Patrick and I, my son and I, are at a Cardinal opener. Uh, and I think it was like 2011. It might have 2012, whatever. I don't remember exactly what year. But Patrick and I are sitting like 25 rows off the field. And our former uh, sales manager here had left the station and is sitting like in the third or fourth row. And he comes up and says hi. And uh, then he goes to the concession stand and goes back down and then comes back up like a half inning later and says, hey, Randy. And this was opening day of the Cardinal season. Masters is the following weekend. Mm-hmm. He's, and the Cardinals, I think, were opening at home on a Monday. And he says, hey, Randy, uh, we're taking a group of guys to Augusta for the Masters. We've got a private jet. We've got a house. We've got tickets for all four days. And we're leaving on Wednesday, so if you want to join us, uh, just say the word and, and you can join us. And again, without even thinking, I, was, I said, I got to work. I'm, I'm sorry. I'd love to do it. What an idiot. And so I, I didn't even consider it, and I didn't go. And it was probably number one on the stupid list for Randy all time. You're not only getting free tickets to the Masters and free accommodations, you're traveling on a PJ. Unbelievable. Every single component of this was handled for you. Yep. And it was five-star accommodations. Idiot. And you said no. Idiot, Randy. I can't go to work. Idiot. Yeah, right. You know, and you know what the smart thing would have been, Randy, is that you could have turned that into content. That could have ended up being something you talked about on the show. I know. Idiot. Randy's trip to Augusta, a recap, coming up at 8 a.m. Right. Would have been <laughs> Our great. guess on the fast line then at 4. If it ever happens again, Michelle, I'll go. If, Randy, <laughs> if that ever happens again, I will I'll defriend you if you don't go. I was going to say, you turned down a PJ to Augusta. Yeah. Friendship over. And and accommodations and four p- passes for four days. Yeah, friendship yeah. over. Stupid. And you know, once you get there, everything's cheap. The pimento cheese I sandies. Know. Randy, you could have you could have swung this for a couple hundred bucks. It would have been unreal. Idiot. Because I know you would have bought a lot of merch. That's why I'm jacking mm-hmm. up the, co- it's the actually cost. Good. Who won the Masters that year? I don't even remember. Oh, okay. You blacked it out. <laughs> yeah, I repressed this one. Talk about it. I repressed this one. <laughs> 618, take it or leave it. Cronky needs to be hunted by three ghosts on Christmas night. I think that'd be fun. Yes, I agree. I'll take that. I'll take that too. Except that the ghosts don't even want to get entangled with him. They're like, this guy, what? Right. And how do you make him be, uh, who is uh, Scrooge? How do you make him be Scrooge when he's already the Grinch? You're kind of a mean both. one. Mr. Grinch. He's like Mr. Potter, and it's a wonderful life. It's a real yeah. jerk. Wow, Christmas movies have a lot of like really stodgy antagonists. Yeah. I don't care about your book. <laughs> Mr. Potter. But <laughs> I just want to live, Clarence. Every time a bell rings, oh, an God. angel gets his way. <laughs> what a like, great movie, though. I do not like that movie. <laughs> Hey, yep. George Bailey ended up being the richest guy in town because he has friends. Stan exactly. Kroenke takes some notes. Right. It's not all about finances like Mr. Potter. Yeah. It's all about having people that love and support you. Place where real men come in to get drunk. <laughs> <laughs> 314, take it or leave it. Braden Shen and Gabriel Langescott will have at least one fight in this series. Leave it. Uh, there will not be a fight in this series. What? I'm taking it. Yeah, no. Is that good? Not even like a four, not even like some fourth liners getting the get the aggravation no. out? No, no fights in the playoffs. Wow. You realize Kadri is playing, right? Well, he'll he'll illegally whack people. Right, but then something's going to happen because of it. No, you get him back next year in the early in the season, mm-hmm. just like Shenner did this year. Mm. Not 
I, I well, you know what they, right. they have more right. patience and better control of their emotions than mm-hmm. I do. That's all I'll say. Now, if we have an extra defenseman, if we're playing 7D and we're very expectant that our defensemen are going to stay healthy, then get your number seven guy to whack Kadri across the ankles and break an ankle. All right, so no fights, but that. Six one eight, take it or leave it. Split seven, split seven inning doubleheaders were the only good change Manfred ever made to baseball, and they didn't even keep it. I will take that. I loved the seven, seven inning doubleheaders. They were so fun. Take it and run. I'm going to leave it. I, uh, I I liked a lot of the and the rules changes that are forthcoming are going to be fantastic, but I have. Uh, a lot of things that I like about what baseball is. Now it's getting better, but uh, I, I don't mind the starting the runner at second in extra innings. It, it, it's fine. I don't need to watch 17 innings of baseball. I'm with you on that now. one. So I, I don't think that's the only thing. So I, I wish they would get rid of the three better minimum. I'm not a big fan of that. But if they put in, a, if they eliminate shifts and get a pitch clock in there, I'll be a happy camper. I just thought those seven inning games. Those were cool. They. They went by in a blank. Yep. They were so they, I don't know. I just think baseball. One of their main issues is getting people to pay attention. Yeah. And in seven innings, I, I think you're locked in. And I love the dynamic too because it gets late in the fourth. Yes, you're right. And it's Absolutely. fun. It, the your, the, the game changes for you. Yeah. yeah. Take it or leave it. If the Blues aren't at least tied in the series when they come back to St. Louis, it'll be a sad week. Leave it. Yeah, I'll leave that too. This is a mentally tough team. Mm-hmm. It's very it, defeatist. If you, I'm sorry, are you really going to give up that much if you if you lose two games away? You're not. That's I mean, the series is kind of supposed to go that what way. What do they a say? Bit. It doesn't mm-hmm. start till you lose at home. Bingo. Yep. There you go. So the, yeah, series won't even have started yet. Uh, take it or leave it. Colorado is the toughest matchup the Blues will face. If they take this series, they can easily go on to take the Cup, no matter who they play next. I'll take that. I'm going to leave it. Their like toughest the- series was the one they just won. Whoa! Whoa. Really? Mm-hmm. I don't know, oh, Randy. They. They had the Wilds number this year. Yeah, they did. And they've lost two or three times to Colorado. Look, the Wilds are tough and hard. The uh, Yeah, but Colorado's fast. Colorado's They're fast. They're talent. really talented. Yeah. yeah. I think whoever wins this series can easily win the Cup. I agree with that. Take it or leave it. At least one Cardinals player gets in Pete Alonzo's face over this four-game series and challenges him to, quote-unquote, put them in the hospital. Yep. Take I, it. I'm going to leave it because I think Stubby Clapp already did everything he needed to do. Yeah. But Pete Alonso does have sweet hair. You don't want to mess up that sweet haircut. Yeah, but if we're talking flow, the Cardinals have the advantage. All the way. Michaelis okay. pitches today, and he's just taking it easy with his flow. I mean, by the end of the season, it could be incredible. Yeah, what do you really have to prove if you're the Cardinals to Pete Alonso? This guy went on after the, the scuffle and mm-hmm. said, I could put somebody in the hospital if I needed to. Stubby Clap took you down. We all saw the video. Yeah. So I don't think they need to get in his face because all they have to say is roll the tape. Maybe we could just show him a video of game... Seven of the 2006 NLCS with Yachty hitting a home run. Hmm. Yeah. When's the last time you won, buddy? So we could ask him. Coming up next, the Blues aren't favored, but how is it that every single writer and the writer's mothers who have been surveyed are taking the avalanche? <laughs> it's next on 101 ESPN. We're right back to the Character and Smallman podcast, presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. A fresh perspective on the day's biggest stories. It's Carriker and Smallman's Fresh Take. Brought to you by Schnucks Rewards. It pays to shop at Schnucks. Download the Schnucks Rewards app today.
It is 810 in St. Louis. Your time check brought to you by Clarkson Jewelers, an officially licensed Rolex jeweler. And obviously, we are biased towards the St. Louis teams here. We're in St. Louis. But if we go national, Michelle, it does not look great when you look at the predictions for the national media for the Blues Colorado series. At The Athletic, they surveyed their entire staff and all their writers. 97.7% of their staff and writers at The Athletic have picked the Avalanche. 36.4% to win in five, 52.3% to win in six, and 9.1% to win the the series in seven. Only 2.3%, I would assume that's probably one person, picked the Blues to win that series and picked the Blues to do so in six games. Meanwhile, at ESPN... 23 of 27 of their staff and writers, 85% have picked the Avalanche to win the series. What's well, the safer pick? The Avalanche were better than the Blues this season. 56, 19, and 7. They were first in the Central. Uh, on paper, they certainly look like the safer and easier pick. So I'm not surprised that the Blues are being counted out nationally. And you're right. We do have eyeballs on the Blues for the entire season. We've watched every single game. We know more of not only the physical makeup of this team, but the mental makeup of this team. We know them more intimately. So, of course, we're going to think that the Blues have a better chance than national writers and people that ob- observe them from afar. One of the things that's written at The Athletic is the Avs have been knocking on the door for a few years. They've dealt with heartache, and that, above anything else, is going to drive them this postseason. If heartache from previous postseasons is going to drive you, <laughs> and that's what's going to drive you first and foremost, then you've got some problems. The Blues... Also, shouldn't the Blues have won several Stanley Cups before 2019? The <laughs> yeah, if that's the case, right. Uh, they go on to write, the Blues have the ability to beat the Avs, but if the Avs play like a team that's learned a few lessons along the way, this will be a challenge many expect for Craig Berube's club. Yes, it's every playoff series is going to be a challenge, but so many people are dismissing the Blues' chances. And what the Blues do is change the game that the opposition plays. What Colorado was during the regular season and what Colorado was against Nashville, they won't be able to accomplish against the Blues because the Blues play a different game where if they set the tempo, doesn't matter who they're playing, We saw it against Minnesota. If the Blues set the tempo of the game, they can and should beat anybody else in the league. When I look back to Game 6 or some of the things specifically that were for the Blues in the series versus the Wild, I want them to come out hard, fast, strong. I would love for them to score first. It Mm -hmm. seems like they have a lot of success when they get on the board first. And you're right. When when they dictate the tempo and they play their style of hockey, I think that they could beat anybody. But against a team like Colorado, that's tougher to accomplish. And this is a series where you need Nick Letty to be really healthy and playing his game. Because we even saw it in the games that Letty missed last round where the Blues would turn the puck over in their own zone. If you turn the puck over in your own zone against Colorado, it's going to be in the back of the net. You cannot turn the puck over in your own zone against Colorado. And so like Coach Ruby said uh, on the cut, you want to keep the puck to the edges. You don't want to, no passes in the middle of the ice against Colorado. And you just want to chip it off the boards and get it out of your zone and then pick it up in the neutral zone and try to get it in that way. You don't want to be making those cross ice passes because if McCarr gets a hold of one of those, Taves gets a hold of one of those, then they're going to get a laser past your goalie. Yeah, lights out if that happens. Also, 
play your heavy style. You mm-hmm. utilize your physicality. If this is going to be a war of attrition, we've seen how many times that that works out in favor of the Blues. That's one thing that they really need to be cognizant of and really utilize in this series. But, Randy, I kind of like that no one's expecting the Blues too. to win. And I think they do, too. I love that no one expected them to beat the Wild. I was surprised because on paper, I would think the Blues were the, even though the Wild finished ahead of them in the standings, if you look at the head-to-head matchups and the way these two teams are constructed, I would think the safer pick in round one would have been to take the Blues. But I love that nationally no one expected them to win. And I think they probably love that no one's picking them in this round either. It makes it more fun. Now, speaking of the size that you talked about, Chris Kerber joined us yesterday. And of course, he'll have the call tonight at 830 here on 101 ESPN. But he talked about how the Blues size advantage up front can play a role. But I like the Blues size in this series, guys. I I, I think that um, you know, I, th- this is a series for me where a guy like a uh, like a Pavel Butchnevich could really help take it over with his size and ability to control the pocket. He may, that line's going to get some matchups, I think, that are going to be favorable, especially when the Blues get to return home. And again, at some point, you're going to be facing Makar, 5'11", 187, Taves, 6'1", 191, Gerard 5'10", 170, all immensely skilled and fast offensive players. But if they're trying to play defense against Pavel Buchnevich with that long stick and that size, they're going to have their hands full. I also want to go back to what you said about past playoff heartache being the thing that propels the avalanche past the Blues and to hoist the cup this season. Does that put more pressure on them, the fact that they haven't been able to punch through? Mm-hmm. You, you would think that the Blues, having had done it before, they've so many of these guys on this team have championship DNA. They know what it takes to get past teams. They know mm-hmm. what it takes to win a Stanley Cup. I would think that if you're a team that's favored, you have all the talent of the Avalanche, and you haven't been able to break through, that's so much pressure on you. And that's something mentally you have to wonder if that's going to wear on them. And Michelle, they're running out of time because McKinnon has a really team-friendly contract. I think he's up after next year. McCarr isn't far behind in terms of becoming a UFA. Uh, They just gave the big money to Landeskog. The, the goalie is 34 years old, so the window is closing, too. And it, I don't know if they're thinking. They're thinking about, about tonight's game, obviously. But if you get into a situation where the series is 3-2 for the Blues, going back to St. Louis, and the Blues can win it in six, yes, I said it, then <laughs> there is a lot of pressure because then you're saying, man, this might be it for us. And think about how many Blues players thrive under pressure. Yeah. Or we've seen them do it before. And that's because of their coach. Yep. And leadership is going to play a huge role in this series. That's Michelle. I'm Randy. That's today's Fresh Take on 101 ESPN. Coming up, we'll talk about this series and the Cardinals' doubleheader today against the Mets. Our friend Mike Claiborne will join us on 101 ESPN. We're right back to the Character and Smallman podcast, presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. Michelle Smallman, Randy Carricker, and we head to the Brown and Crouppen Celebrity Line and our friend Mike Claiborne of Claves Online, the Joe West 5460 podcast. And, of course, he's on the Cardinal Broadcast crew today in New York. He joins us here on 101 ESPN. Good morning, sir. How are you doing? I'm doing great. How about you guys? Everything's good. How's the podcast with Joe West going? Going well. We've had some fun. Um, we had uh, Mark Grace on last week, and all of a sudden Kelly Chase shows up. So that was a lot of fun to hear those two tell stories about their days in Peoria together. Kelly was with the Peoria Rivermen, and Mark was with the uh, Peoria Cubs. And they've been friends ever since. Uh, great visit with the commish, Rick Hummel. You know, we talk about him all the time around here, but 
he had a lot of things going on with regard to the game and knowing Joe West as long as he had. So, so far, so good. We've had some fun. We've got some fun people set up uh, looking to do uh, a father-son Eduardo and Tony Perez here very soon. Oh, Oh, that'd be fun. Hey, Mike, do you think there's a chance, and I'm just spitballing here, that over the course of Joe West's 45 years as as an umpire and Rick Hummel's 50 years as a writer, you think they might have crossed paths at the, the late great Missouri Bar and Grill at some point? I think there's a couple of reserve seats there for them. <laughs> I, I think I, I don't. I think there's, it's in, it was inevitable for those two to cross paths there. Mo Bar back in the day was was the hangout for writers and umpires. That's awesome, Clips. Well, Sunday night was a really fun game for the Cardinals. It was one of the most entertaining games, top to bottom, that I've seen in some time. You had the Cardinals' offense exploding, Adam Wainwright and Yadier Molina having more wins than any other battery in Major League Baseball history. You, you had great defense on display. But how about Albert Pujols pitching in the ninth inning? What did you think about Albert as a pitcher? Well, I'm not sure if we need to have a seat for him in the pitchers' meeting. <laughs> uh, I'm not sure if he needs to have a bullpen session on the side, but uh, it was entertaining, and I agree with you, Michelle. It, it was probably one of the more fun nights of the season because everybody got in the action in some way, shape, or form, and fans got what they were looking for with Albert and Yachty and Wayno all contributing, and then watched the emergence of Yepes and also Brendan Donovan. So. Yeah, it, it was a good night. And, you know, where would they be without Tommy Edmonds? So I, I think everyone got their money's worth that, that particular night. And I want to talk to you, too, about Tyler O'Neill Claves because I think that he is someone that has been a bit of a surprise, not in a positive way so far this season. I, I know that offense has been weird throughout baseball, and there's ebbs and flows in everyone's career. But the fact that he's hitting 193 and only two home runs to this point this season, what are you seeing from Tyler O'Neill? And have you gotten concerned at all yet? Well, th- this is why I wait until Flag Day to assess because as Tyler, the Tyler O'Neills of the world, you know, you have hot streaks, you have cold streaks, you have surprises, you have surprises like this with O'Neill. Um, you know, there's a couple of things I see. I, I see him uh, very anxious. If you notice his swing, he's almost trying to jump at the ball. Um, it, it just seems like he, he's made up his mind he's going to swing no matter what's going to be thrown. And maybe I thought it was good that he took a couple of days off to watch the game, not necessarily watch more video, watch the game and watch the pace of it and and try and pick up things as far as how pitchers, you know, when it's coming out of their hand. Little things like that, I think, are are the start of him uh, repairing himself. But I don't think this is going to happen overnight. I, I think he's got some work in front of him, and maybe he gets off to a better start in New York against the Mets. Clabes, you've been around this team now for 16 years every single day. And going back to Albert pitching the other night and the fun that he was having, what's the vibe in this clubhouse as opposed to previous editions of the Cardinals in terms of the amount of fun and the, the level of lightheartedness that they're experiencing? You know, I'll tell you what it reminds me of. The year the Blues won the Cup, if we heard so much about how everybody liked each other and played for each other, had a lot of fun with each other, and did a lot of group activities together. Uh, you know, baseball is a little different with regard to seeing everybody every day and playing every day. But you can sense there is a, a, a genuine care for each other and, and enjoying each other, but also challenging each other to be better. Uh, this team puts as much work in as any team I've seen. Uh, it starts with Nolan and, and, and Goldie. You know, I get there reasonably early, earlier than a lot of people, and you see guys already there uh, working on things in the field and having extra ground balls or 
watching Juan Yepes take about 50 to 60 fly balls from Willie McGee before anybody gets there in the outfield. Uh, those are the little things that I see that I, I think that will be uh, they'll be rewarded with later in the season by by the consistent play that I think we're going to see down the road. Speaking of Juan Yepes, Claves, boy, has he been fun to watch. He's provided an infusion of offense and a little bit of energy into this Cardinals team. What have you thought about his play so far? I love his approach. See it, hit it. Uh, you know, this guy's a hitter. And if you ask anybody, I know people have asked Ali Marmo about, well, what position do you see him playing? Ali's very quick, batter's box. <laughs> I mean, that, that's what he is. He's a hitter. And, and, but he works at his fielding. I don't want anybody to think he's one of these old slugs that we used to see that were DHs that you know, couldn't find a glove if he needed to go in the field. Now, he, he brings a half a dozen gloves to the ballpark and works every day at different positions. But the, the, the way he approaches it, and, I, and maybe he gets it from his idol, Miguel Cabrera. You know, that's a guy that he has always looked up to, and now he sits next to Albert in the, in the clubhouse and in the dugout and everywhere else getting more information. Uh, I just think he has a real future in front of him because he's not scared. You know, some guys get a little intimidated by the pace of the game at the big league level, but he's not one of them. And, and again, he keeps it reasonably simple. I see it, and I hit it. Klaib's uh, doubleheader against the Mets today. This I think this sets the Cardinals up a little bit better than had they played multiple days because their bullpen, I, th- I think after two or three guys, you can get to their bullpen a little bit easier. The key for the Cardinals, obviously, is going to be getting to a starter early today, whether it's in Game 1 or Game 2. But I And by the way, it's uh, Trevor Williams in Game 1 and Walker in Game 2. But I, I like my chances better of winning one of the three against the Mets with a doubleheader than having three three days, three games in three days. I agree with you, Randy. And you think about they're in the midst of a stretch of 35 games in 36 days, okay? So you get an extra day off yesterday. You know, we didn't get in until late. You know, we're like two or three in the morning minimum. I don't think people checked in the hotel until around four. So to sleep in was something that I think they all appreciated. And, and you know, today I think it's going to be interesting because Trevor Williams, when he was with Pittsburgh, he, he was a little bit of a problem against the Cardinals. So it would be nice if you could get him early and, and certainly get that first game in the series. Tyron Walker is a guy we've seen on and off, but he's had a lot of injuries, but he was pitching well so far this year. So, yeah, and then we know who's pitching tomorrow. So, I mm-hmm. mean, you want to make sure you, get, you do some damage today because tomorrow might be just a little bit more difficult. That's right, Claves. Well, we wanted to sneak one hockey question in. The Blues and the Abs open that second-round playoff series tonight. Game one, 8.30, puck drop. Not many people picking the Blues to beat the Abs in this one. How do you like their chances? Well, I can see why. You know, Colorado is really good. I mean, I think their they're top six are as good as anybody, but the problem is their bottom six aren't as good as the St. Louis Blues. I, I think the key is what do you do with McCarrick because I think he's an X-factor. The good thing about that is the Blues have three very good skating defensemen in Letty, in Pareko, and Justin Falk, who might be able to help negate him and really try and slow him down. I don't think you can just eliminate him. But you know what? Why not go for it? Why not take the Blues in seven? Or six? Yeah, I just think that, yeah, you know what? You're right, Randy. I mean, I said six yesterday to someone. Uh, but I think they're capable. They just can't have one of those uh, literal – avalanches, you know, where they, they pop home a couple of goals early and all of a sudden the, the ice seems like it's tilted against the Blues. Uh, you can't have that. 
you, you got to make sure that you don't let them start playing fire wagon hockey and, and really making it a, a wide open game. And I think it's very important for Bennington not to give up that, that bad goal that he was giving up earlier in the season. Um, you know, for me, I think for a guy like Bennington, I like to see him on his skates more than on his knees because I think he gets beat too often, you know, shoulder or, or, or stick side too much or right between his ribs and his arm. If he stay, if he's a little bit more upright, I think he makes himself a bigger target. And I think if he can do that, it'll prevent that bad goal he's given up, and maybe that'll turn the Blues in the right direction. Did you partake of a slice yesterday or last night? Uh, no, I went to uh, a good friend of mine's restaurant, Danny Meyer, oh. and I uh, had a good time there. Uh, he's, he's got a, I think it's like twenty in the area. Yeah, he's so he's got a few restaurants. There. Yeah, so. That was uh, that was it. Uh, I know a couple of other guys decided to go to Smith and Walensky's, and you know that's the one great thing. Nobody anticipated having a night off in the NYC. <laughs> so you know in that situation, it's a little different than some people would expect. But you know, and you know Michelle and Randy, when you get a night out in New York, uh, you you truly cherish it. So uh, we won't have any more of those because I think the rain's out of the area. So we just focus on baseball. We'll be tuned in today. Cardinals at 2 o'clock and then 6.30 tonight. The doubleheader against the Mets. Clay, always good to talk to you and we want everybody to check out the 5460 podcast. Well, we appreciate the plug and you guys have a great You too. We'll see you later. That is Mike Claiborne on 101 ESPN. Coming up, the fight. We're right back to the Character and Smallman podcast presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. Welcome to the fight on Character and Smallman. In the red corner, average Joe listener. And in the blue corner, the undisputed king of morning drive. Please welcome Randy Character. here because it's time to fight it is that time of day where randy fights not not actually fights a sports trivia type of fight with one of our great listeners here on 101 espn it's 8 39 in st louis that time check is brought to you by clarkson jewelers and officially licensed rolex jeweler let's bring in randy's competition today tony's with us on 101 espn what's up tony how are you good how are you i'm doing well are you ready to take on randy today i think so you think so? Come on, I want to hear I, I know so. I'm ready. I'm ready. Ready <laughs> as I'm going to be. Very convincing, Tony. All right, let's go. Question number one. Good luck. There is only one Cardinal player with over 200 hits in a single season since Willie McGee's 216 in 1985. Who is it? Is it Matt Carpenter, Vince Coleman, or Albert Pujols? We'll go with Matt Carpenter. Tiger Woods is currently tied for the all-time lead in PGA Tour wins with 82. What golfer is he tied with? Is that Sam Snead, Jack Nicklaus, or Arnold Palmer? Oh, golf question. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> give me those uh, choices again. Is it Sam Snead, Jack Nicklaus, or Arnold Palmer? We'll go with Jack Nicklaus. 
Tony, the Astros have played in Major League Baseball since 1965, but Houston has had their franchise since 1962. What was the franchise known as during its first three seasons? Was it the Oilers, the Rangers, or the Colt 45s? Colt 45s. And happy birthday to Matt Ryan. At what college did Ryan play his football? Was that UCLA, Arizona, or Boston College? Boston College. Checking the score. Mm -hmm. Waving in Randy. Tony, how are you feeling? Uh, Pretty good, except that golf one. Yeah, that's tough. That's really tough. (laughs) I don't even know if Randy will know that one. That's a tough question. I, I think he might. Yeah, he might. He has mega mind after all. Randy, please say good morning to Tony. Tony, good morning. How are you? Good morning. Good. How are you, Randy? I'm doing great. Thanks for listening. Thanks for playing this morning. We do appreciate it. Thanks for having me. Are you ready, Randy? Ready. Question number one. There's only one Cardinal player with over 200 hits in a single season since Willie McGee's 216 in 1985. Who is it? I would suggest that that would probably have been Albert Pujols. Pretty good guess. Yeah. Tiger Woods is currently tied for the all-time lead in PGA Tour wins with 82. What golfer is he tied with? Oh, man. Is it Sam Snead? I think it's Sam Snead. I'll go with Sam Snead. Darn it, Randy. The Astros have played in Major League Baseball since 1965, but Houston has had their franchise since 1962. What was the franchise known as during its first three seasons? I think it was named after a gun. I think it was the Houston Colt 45s. Not very politically correct these days. Yeah, yeah, that's why the Washington Bullets became the Washington Wizards, because the owner didn't like the term bullets. And Washington was going through a very bad stretch of crime, too. It happens. And number four. uh, Quick, uh, one time back in the late 80s, the Vikings drafted a safety. I'll, I'll get the name for you later in the show. Vikings drafted a safety from the University of Miami, who came to training camp as a rookie with an AK-47. And the writer said, what are you doing with an AK-47 at training camp? And he says, man, at Miami, everybody's got an (laughs) AK-47. Wow. Yeah, they did. One time I did an FBI tour in Washington, D.C., back when they did those. And I asked the FBI guy, I said, okay, you guys get into a street fight, FBI, with a typical L.A. gang who's more, uh, who, who has more weaponry. He said, oh, they do. That's scary. Yeah. Sorry, Real I'm, scary. I'm, I'm looking at Vikings draft history right now. You made me go down a rabbit hole. Uh, <laughs> number four. Happy birthday to Matt Ryan. At what college did Ryan play his football? Boston College. Had him number uh, one in the country, I think, at one point. Mm-hmm. Good old BC. Mm-hmm. Is it Randy or is it Tony? I think we all know. Fire that sounder. Go crazy, folks. Go crazy. The winner and still champion of the fight. Randy Carricker. Brought to you by High and Dry Foundation Repair, home of the non commission based sales force and hassle free warranty. Just win, baby. <laughs> what? You're shaking your head. <laughs> She's shaking her head no. Because you just. You fly through these with ease, with the greatest of ease, like a man on the trapeze. It's crazy. That was good. I it like is that. just crazy, Randy, was... how you're able to do this every day. No stress. I'm sorry, Tony. I just tried to make you feel better. I thought Randy might not know the golf question either. He definitely knew it. At least I would have lost either way. That's so. true. Well, Tony, you're great. Thanks for listening. Thanks for playing. Have a great day. All right. Thanks. You too. Here's to the winner. I am so-
Katy Perry? Uh, no, that's uh, um, that? uh, Carrie Underwood. Oh. oh, yeah, duh. All I do is win, 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 no matter what. Oh, Carrie Underwood. Win, 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 win. I'm winning. I'm winning. Oh, it's too hot. You wanted that one, didn't you, huh? Too hot, lady. Gotta run for shelter. Gotta run for shelter. Even hot, hot, hot. It's so damn hot. Milk was a bad choice. <laughs> I'm kind of a big deal. We good? We good. We good? <laughs> yep, we are. <laughs> we are. I don't even need to give you the answers. Randy got the jack. He got all four correct. But let's just do it anyway for fun. Because why not? One Cardinal player worth over 200 hits in a single season since Willie McGee did it in 1985. McGee had... 216. Albert Pujols did it in 2003. How many hits? 213. 213. Mm-hmm. 213. Carpenter had 199, by the way. Ooh, so close. Who did? Carpenter had 199 mm. back in that magical season where A lot he had of like 55 doubles, too. Yeah. Yeah. Tiger Woods currently tied for the all-time lead in PGA Tour wins with 82. He's tied with Sam Snead. The Astros have played in baseball since... 1965, but during their first three seasons, they were in fact known as the Colt 45s. Named after a gun. I love that. Matt Ryan, happy birthday, buddy. Mm-hmm. Shout out to you. Um, he played his college football at BC, Boston College. And now he's a Colt. Remember when Boston College would have like a player or two in the NFL draft every couple of years? Those, yeah. Like, like Gods are Shareless, Mark Herzlick before the cancer scare. I mean, they used to have some legitimate football prospects. and They were really good when Tom Coughlin was there. And then uh, who was the guy after Coughlin? They, they were good for a long time. I can't remember. I don't either. I don't remember. <laughs> I thought you know, Randy. You know everything else. <laughs> I'll think of it. I just don't know right off You know the these listeners, Randy? Everywhere I go, first thing they say to me is, oh, the fight. I listen every morning to the fight. And I encourage everyone to come on the fight. I'm like, oh, text your name in. You could definitely beat Randy. They're like, no, no, no. I don't want to embarrass myself on radio in front of millions of listeners. I'm like, no, no. Definitely do it. And I'm just encouraging people to get embarrassed on radio. <laughs> no, because there's a lot of people that are really good that know a lot about sports. So keep texting in every morning. Text the word fight to 65780. Coming up next on 101 ESPN, if you missed it earlier, Michelle will give you, uh, Michelle and I will give you some of our highlights of our Top 10 list as to why Stan Kroenke sucks. It's coming your way. Um, sucks. I'm 101 We're right back to the Character and Smallman podcast, presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. Opinions matter. Time now for today's big thing with Character and Smallman on 101 ESPN. Brought to you by Seiden Stricker Noby John Deere. Find them online at snpartners.com. It's Carriker and Smallman on 101 ESPN. And earlier this morning, we gave you our top 10 reasons why Stan Kroenke sucks. And at the end of the show, you'll be able to hear it online if you go to the 101 ESPN app or just go to our podcast anywhere you like a podcast. And it's brought to you by Dobbs Siren Auto Centers. But you'll be able to hear our top 10 reasons. Michelle, one of the things that didn't even make the list, this is how bad this guy sucks, is that he bought the Wagner Ranch in Texas and kicked longtime residents that have lived there for 30, 40, 50 years. He kicked them off. And that didn't even make our top 10. Which is crazy because that should definitely be on the top 10. Yeah. He kicked people out of their homes. Yeah, long-time elderly residents. Kicked the Rams out of their home, too. Yeah, he did. 
I'm so excited for a week from now or for a week from yesterday because on Monday we're going to get to come back and I'll be able to play get to play completely new, fresh, Cronky Sucks audio because we'll have a home game by then and you bet... You can bet any amount in your pocket right now. There will be multiple, very effusive Cronky Sucks chance come game three, and it's going to be a lot of fun. So, guys, in October of 2015, when the NFL held their dog and pony show town hall meeting at what is now Stiefel Theater, <laughs> I, I spoke and mentioned that Stan Cronky had never done anything philanthropically for St. Louis. Yeah. And it really is striking when you think about all the DeWitts have done in terms of building the first Class A office space that's been built in St. Louis in 30 years, funding their own stadium, building the business that is Ballpark Village, putting a new first-class hotel in their new residential tower, and in addition to having a, a competitive team all the time, but I'll tell you, I, I have a golf tournament every year. I go to the Cardinals every year. I ask for something, and they always provide something. I go to a lot of charitable events. Every single time I go to a charitable event, the Cardinals have donated. I, I went to an event the other night where uh, it was for Make-A-Wish Foundation, and the Cardinals had contributed. They always do. When you look, Michelle, at what, especially Carolyn Kendall Betts, who is in charge of philanthropy for Enterprise and uh, Obviously, she's taken away from that a little bit now, but what Enterprise has done, contributing so much money to St. Louis public schools. When you think about the the Bush family literally opening up their home for the public to visit the grounds, you you think about all the philanthropy that's taken place among so many people in St. Louis over the years for a long, long time. And the fact that you can go through this entire community and you'll never see Stan Kroenke's name on anything philanthropically oriented, despite the fact that he was here in St. Louis as a part owner of the Rams from 95 through 16 is pretty striking. And I think he's probably proud of that because yep. that means that he has more money in his pocket that he didn't yeah. give away to other people, which is disgusting. In the Forbes 400, the the 400 richest people in America, they give a philanthropy score. His is a zero. Oh, that sucks. Yeah. It should be negative. Because think think about that story that we all heard about the Sam's Club memberships. Even yeah. when he gives something away, the purpose of it is to make more money in the long run for him and his companies. And if you don't yeah. follow through on that, uh, on helping him make more money, he's going to stick it to you. It should be a ne- it should be a negative five on the philanthropy score, if not lower. So one time he gave Rams employees as a Christmas bonus Sam's Club cards membership cards and you didn't have to pay the $40 or whatever for the membership cards a year later if you haven't hadn't used it enough they took the cards away they just discontinued the card so if you went into Sam's and tried to use it they'd say this card is no good you have to renew your membership so it was a gift but with a caveat yeah you had to give him so much money help me out of the profit margins baby did he tell them how much money they had to spend or was it just an unpleasant surprise just an unpleasant surprise great yeah he was having he was having people in the Rams organization sift through uh, Sam's Club ledgers to see what people were spending on their accounts. Maybe they should have spent more time on the draft. Yeah, right? There, there's a spreadsheet you can look at. Yeah. Now, in 2010, Michelle, he told Bernie Miklas, and the phone call, Bernie actually talked here in our building, and he said, I'll do my damnedest to keep the Rams in St. Louis. I don't think he did. I think that was a lie. I would suggest that yeah. that's the case, yeah. How about you? How, what have you got in your top 10 that you'd like to toss out there? Well, one of the top things for me as to why this guy absolutely sucks, Randy, is that he's a Missouri guy. This guy grew up in Mora, Missouri. He grew up in central Missouri. He's named after two Cardinal legends. And you 
have a hand in, in bringing the Rams to St. Louis. You know what an unbelievable sports city this is. You know how deeply we care about our teams. And you're fighting with the city about a couple hundred million dollars, even though they're going to give you a couple hundred million dollars in public funding. You could have done this. You could have built a stadium downtown, kept the Rams in St. Louis, been the hero, really taking care of your home state. And instead, instead of giving the money to St. Louis, you take five times that and you build a stadium out of your own pocket for $5 billion in LA when you could have easily done it here. It just makes no sense to me. I can't imagine being that cold hearted and not caring about my roots that much. And Michelle, as the Blues get ready to take on Kroenke's avalanche tonight in game one of the playoffs, this is my number two, and it very easily could be number one by the end of the playoffs. The guy likes and pays Nazem Kadri. We are defined by the people that we surround ourselves with. And Stan Kroenke has seen fit to get a guy on his team that's been suspended eight times the last two playoffs, tries to injure, has injured players, injured Justin Falk of the Blues last year, and he endorses this guy, obviously, because he's got him on his team and he's paying him. He's endorsing this guy going out and hurting others on the hockey ice. I'm not defending Stan Kroenke, Randy, but take it or leave it. He doesn't even know that he employs Cadre. <laughs> I'll take that. This guy probably has no idea who any of his players are. Now, he might know on the Rams because they won a Super Bowl, which likely earned him some money. Mm -hmm. So he probably is paying more attention to the Rams. And I think that one was personal for him because of everything that went down in St. Louis and the fact that he had to write a $790 million check. Yeah, and the fact that Goodell, to be viable and relevant in L.A., they had to win a championship. So the league was all in on the Rams winning that championship, too. Of course. So I'm imagining he knows who most of his players are with the Rams. But do you think he has any idea who plays for Arsenal or who plays for the Abs or the Nuggets? Probably not. He claims, by the way, the last time that he got sick was drinking out of the Stanley Cup when the Avalanche won it in 2001. That was the first year he owned the team. And obviously it had been built by other ownership. And uh, they acquired Ray Bork at the end of the season. And Kroenke claims that he drank out of the cup, and that's the last time that he got sick. Think about how many people have drank out of the Stanley Cup and not gotten sick. Right. That just seems like some sports karma coming his way. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it kind of is. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Name me one time the Rams have gotten a favorable call in a big game since they moved to L.A. Randy, oh, that's true. On. Good point. Ridiculous. Maybe a non-call? <laughs> Maybe a non-call here or there? You can tackle yes, people 40 yards downfield when the ball's in the air. That's legal. Yeah. It's amazing that we have people defending Kadri on the text line. It might be the same person from last week. Probably is. From the yeah. 970. Kadri's a good dude and does a lot in the community. The hit piece you guys have on him is hilarious. Uh, I, I would suggest that you just Google Kadri suspensions. I don't think it's a hit piece by us. It's it's his hits that are drawing the ire of people that actually like the sport and don't want players to be dismembered by him. Yeah, he was suspended in, I believe, back-to-back playoffs, right? Yeah. Yeah, I mean, but okay. You do you, buddy. A match penalty for knocking Justin Falk out cold with a blindside hit last year in the playoffs. The eight-game suspension. Eight games. Upheld by an independent arbitrator. Uh, His past suspensions also include, and this isn't a hit piece by us, this is actually from the Denver Post. Uh, that uh, talks about his eight separate suspensions, including two in the playoffs. I don't think the Denver... We don't need the Denver Post to do a hit piece, but the Denver Post actually detailed the eight suspensions.
Randy, we got a, uh, a text here that says, he doesn't even own the abs or nuggets. His son does. Stan has nothing to do with the everyday operations. Curiously, that is from a 970 area code. And actually, that's incorrect. In 2018, the NFL changed at his behest and for his benefit. They changed their cross-ownership rules. So if you go to the Avalanche website, if you go to the Denver Web Nuggets website, you'll see that Stan Kroenke is listed as the owner and governor of both franchises. Because of him, and obviously due to his money, the league changed the rules, and yes, he is totally the owner and makes final decisions based on uh, make big decisions are not made without Josh Kroenke calling Stan to say, hey, we're doing this. So, uh, get your facts straight. <laughs> That's right, Randy. That was the one like shield I had to like be okay with rooting for Nikola Jokic. Also, is this took per- it away from me. This Sorry. person is defending Kadri and Kroenke. You you need to take stock of your life, dude. He's from Colorado. I don't care. <laughs> There's many other people that you can back in Colorado. Mm-hmm. Maybe talk about McKinnon. Maybe talk about Rantanen. There's a lot of other people on on the Colorado Avalanche that are great players that haven't had the suspension or the soiled history that Kadri has. And if you're trying to defend Stan Kroenke, you just haven't been paying attention at, not a great, at all. Not a great hill to die on after you get smacked in the head with a two-hander by Kadri. <laughs> and Stan Kroenke takes your house. <laughs> right, exactly. So you're homeless and you're concussed. <laughs> How'd that work out for you? And you can't even go fishing, so now you're hungry. That's today's big thing on 101 <laughs> ESPN. Coming up, you're killing me, Smalls. We're right back to the Character and Smallman podcast, presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. What's totally killing Smalls right now? You're killing me, Smalls. You're killing me, Smalls, with Michelle Smallman on 101 ESPN. Brought to you by Mobile on the Run. On the Run is your summertime snack and sip store. Hey, we have your chance to win a pair of tickets to the Smashing Pumpkins with special guest Jane's Addiction, November 1st at Enterprise Center. It's my anniversary. Should I take Joan to uh, Enterprise Center for Smashing Pumpkins and Jane's Addiction? Why not? Tickets for the Spirits on Fire Tour with the Smashing Pumpkins and Jane's Addiction are on sale now. You can find a bonus chance to win free tickets now, either at 101ESPN.com or on your 101 ESPN mobile app. But we'll give you a question right now, and if you can answer it correctly, and be texter number... 22. Texture number 22. Why 22? Uh, just because it came to my mind. Oh, okay. Jack Flaherty. He's number 22 now. So, just easy number. By the way, how's your Jack Flaherty predictions going? Not looking great, Michelle. He should be coming back today. <laughs> I'm looking forward to his return, though. Yeah, I still have too. faith in Jack Flaherty. Uh, I do. All-star break. That's right. Yeah. I just think when he comes back, we're going we're gonna to see him pitch well. I hate labrum tears. So do I. I I hate injuries, period. Yeah. To think about how many careers were stopped short because of injuries. I want to see a healthy Jack Flaherty pitch. I want to see him be the the pitcher that we once knew him to be. And I'm sure he, I can't even imagine how he feels, oh, how competitive guy. he is. This yeah. has to be driving him crazy. With, and how good he is when he's healthy. So if you were listening early on and you remember what the number one reason that Stan Kroenke sucks is, and your texture number 226-5780, you can win a pair of tickets to Smashing Pumpkins and Jane's Addiction November 1st at Enterprise Center. Time now for... You're killing me, Smalls! 
really quickly, Randy, last night, no Cardinals game. Obviously, it was postponed. And I sat down to watch some TV, turn on the TV. It was on ESPN because the Cardinals had played on Sunday Night Baseball the Mm -hmm. day prior. Before I could even switch the channel, I see the last dance is playing. And I get sucked in all over again. (laughs) First of all, that is such a masterpiece. They did such an unbelievable job with that. Second of all, I don't remember what episode it was, but it was the one about Utah and the flu game. Oh, yeah. I still cannot believe that they tried to tell us that it was actually the food poisoning game and that a bunch of dudes delivered a pizza to a hotel room and they were peeking in trying to look at Michael Jordan and he's the only one that ate the pizza and that he got food poisoning. And that it wasn't the flu or any other illness. So you had to know, and I have to believe, by the way, that Michael Jordan was probably using a pseudonym, right, when he was in his hotel room. You I can't to, imagine he would say, hey, room 313, Michael, it's Michael Jordan. Yeah, right. <laughs> so you had to know that it was Jordan, the, the fans or the, the group of pizza makers did. Then you have a group of people that are allowed to get up to the door to his room. And like you said, Michelle, then he's the only one that eats the pizza? Mm-hmm. Not buying it. And if that if this is in fact true, I can't believe that these guys are still at large. The, gu- right. the, the guys who gave Jordan the tainted pizza, they're still at large. Yeah. Living their lives. But you know what? They made even more of a sports hero out of him. They did. (laughs) Yeah. If this is in fact true, which I don't know. Can you imagine that backfiring the way that it did? That you think you're you're giving Michael Jordan a bad, a rotten pizza that's going to knock him out of the game and maybe the series. And instead he goes out and has the performance that he has and becomes a leg, a, even more of a legend mm-hmm. in the, the process. I mean, if the Jazz win that series, those guys like come clean in like 2002 and are like enshrined in a Utah Hall of Fame no somewhere. Doubt. Yeah, right. Those Jazz fans were crazy. Oh, yeah. They're vicious. Nuts, yeah. So it they still are. Not they still are. Not a lot to do out there. It doesn't... I wouldn't put it past a jazz fan to do it, but just the probability of it going down the way that they suggested, pretty unlikely. That's got to be some quick thinking pizza guys. Late at night, that's the only thing that they could get was that pizza, that one pizza spot for them to work that quickly and figure out that it's going to Michael Jordan. I'm not buying it. I'm not buying it either. You're killing me, Smalls. Let's talk about Jack Nicholas, Randy. So he was doing an interview on the Fire Pit Collective uh, uh, yesterday on Monday, and he revealed that he turned down massive offers from that Saudi-backed golf venture. He said he did want to get involved. Guess how much money they offered him and that Nicholas turned down? How much, Michelle? A hundred million dollars. A hundred million dollars. He said that he didn't want to take the money from the Saudis. He says, I turned it down once verbally, once in writing. So two times he turned down a hundred million dollars. I said, guys, I have to stay with the PGA Tour. I helped start the PGA Tour. Yes, he did. And the other part of it is, I have to believe, he just didn't want to be in business with some scary blanker blankers. <laughs> yeah, I was a little right? disappointed that his statement like let off with like, well, I can't do it because I started the PGA Tour. I yeah. was like, and the human rights abuses and such things. Like, like, come on, buddy. Come on, Golden Bear. Like, stick stick behind it. Yeah, right. It's $100 million, though. It's $100 million from people Listen. that if they get mad at you, they'll cut you up, literally. I, I'm not saying that he should have taken it. I'm not tra- saying that those are people that you should support or go into business with. But I am saying it's $100 million. And to turn that down, not once, but twice. Impressive. Pretty impressive. Yeah. Now, here's the question. In this room... Now, we are at a different socioeconomic stratosphere than Jack. But yeah, they that golf tour offers you $100 million oh my God. to front it. Well, I don't know. I, I don't know if I could endorse 
that group of people. And not only that, to your point, I don't want to make them mad. What if I become Ooh, yeah. the face of it and then I don't do something correctly? It's it's bye bye, Michelle. Yeah, See you already. later. Yeah, that's why I would have difficulty with it too. There's no way I'd take that money and I'd probably do way too much of a grandstanding no and then end up getting myself in trouble. I hope at least the, you know. But how many people would say yes? Oh, man. Yeah, right. If we did a poll, an anonymous poll, I think 82% of people would say yes. Yeah. yeah, I'm not going to be critical of those people because I know what happens. Of what people? The Saudis? Yeah. Well, especially the princes, folks. I mean... It's bad. You, yeah, it is. It's... Prince Salmon? Is that it? Salmon? Yeah, that's, that's it. Don't say anything mean about him. You're killing me, Small. Yeah, let's just move on. Speaking of saying... Get all OJ'd. Oh, Randy. I'm just saying. Randy. Okay, speaking of bringing it back to sports. Mean things being said. Patrick Beverly absolutely unloaded on Chris Paul on Get Up and then subsequently again on First Take yesterday. So we know that Chris Paul kind of disappeared at the end of the Suns series versus the Mavs. They got just absolutely destroyed in the clinching game, 123 to 90. And Patrick Beverly says Chris Paul in league circles not thought very highly of. He should have fouled out. He can't guard. He literally can't guard. He can't guard. Yeah. He, you, he can't guard. Chris Paul can't guard anybody? Is that what you say? I, did you see that? No, he can't. Everyone knows that. Excuse me. Excuse me. No, no, no. I don't know that. I haven't heard anybody tell me that. You, yeah, because you haven't suited up. You know guys don't like to tell you all the truth. You know that. Because they scared. They scared. They scared what you going to take with it. No, 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 no. He's right about that. They will lie. He's honest. They will lie. That is true. He's not lying about that. Man, CP can't guard nobody, man. Everybody in the NBA know that. Everybody know that. can't guard anybody. What we call them? Cone. You know what you do with cones? Like when in the summertime, you got a cone. You make a move. What does the cone do? Stay still. Exactly. Yeah. He's a cone. Stop playing, man. Everybody that knows right. that. Everyone knows that. Wow. They call him Cone. Well, he's never been a defensive player of the year. He is the point god. I, I don't know that he doesn't guard anybody. Did you hear Stephen A? He can't guard. He yeah. can't guard. <laughs> but I was just surprised to hear Patrick Beverly unload on somebody like Chris Paul. I appreciate the honesty. And then he went on to say this. Do guys in the NBA go to sleep early the night before playing the Phoenix Suns? Hell no. I'm going to stake 44 over there in Phoenix. I'm going to have me a nice little wine, probably sweat it out in the pregame shoot-around and get ready for Chris Paul. Steph Curry, I'm going to bed at 8 o'clock. Mom, don't call me. My girl, don't call me. I'm locked in right now. (laughs) Wow. Saying that the Suns do not bring fear into... Any team. Actually, we have that. We have that cut. Can we get that? That's Patrick Beverly, too. Yeah. I want to hear He's, him say this. He is remarkably outspoken, and he was during the Minnesota series, too. Uh, but but for a guy like Chris Paul, yeah. who's done so much for the game and who's right. generally uh, revered by a lot of players, you don't have to 100% appreciate him. But that's, that's really disrespectful, yeah, what you're is. saying. I'm just yeah. surprised that Patrick Beverly would do that. Here's what he said about nobody fearing the Suns. We're not having a conversation about why Phoenix lost, in, in theory. We're having a conversation about why they were down by 46 points. Scared. 30 at the half. They were scared. So now that's where, what are you saying to that? Basketball player, you can see it in the eyes. They were scared. It ain't about Luka taking his soul. They knew, starting the game, what was going to happen. He's done it before. They watch, trust me. They have yeah. iPhones. They have Instagram. They see the numbers of Luka Doncic averaging 39. They hear me saying, man, he did it to me. He did it to me, Kawhi and Paul George. I'm damn sure he's going to do it to them. Yikes. I don't know if the, the Suns were scared, but it certainly was not their night. No, it was not. And I don't know how they come back from this. 
I don't either. And Chris Paul is going to be 38. Mm-hmm. And Devin Booker, he, he better find his Black Mamba mentality, right? He's That's what he needs to do. Aiden is a good player. They might not be able to keep him around. They have such a bad owner. Robert Sarver's a terrible owner. Uh, Jay Crowder's kind of a one-trick pony. He's, he, he's not that good. So they need to do some work. They've really got a nice foundation, maybe for another year, as long as Chris Paul. I, I think you can get by with Chris Paul's defense and win a championship, even though it hasn't happened yet. No. But I think you can do that. But they do need to help themselves out a little bit. It would make me sad if Chris Paul never won a title. Yeah, me too. But at least he got the commercials out of it. <laughs> He's great in the commercials. He's fantastic. Thanks, Michelle. You got it. Coming up, we're going to preview the Avalanche and the Blues with Peter Baugh of The Athletic. He covers The Athletic, or the, the Avalanche for The Athletic. And Peter Baugh is next on 101 ESPN. We're right back to the Character and Smallman podcast, presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. With Michelle Smallman, I'm Randy Character. Good to have you with us on Character and Smallman on 101 ESPN. We go now to the Brown and Crouppen celebrity line, and Peter Baugh, who covers the Colorado Avalanche for The Athletic, joins us. Peter used to cover Mizzou and now is in Denver covering the Avalanche. And what a fun year it was for them. And the second round of the playoffs starts tonight here on 101 ESPN. Peter, good to have you with us. How are you doing today? I am well. I am well. I don't know if I'm worthy of a celebrity phone line, but uh, I'm happy to be on. Well, let's start with this. Most of, 97% of the staff and the writers at The Athletic predicted that the Avalanche would win the series. I'm sure that you did. I want to know why, though. Why are the Avalanche going to beat the Blues in this series? Yeah, well, I'm of the belief that it'll be a really good series. I think I did pick the Avs on that poll, but I think this is going to be a really, really good series. Long series, six or seven games, probably. Um, But I think the Avalanche, I mean, I think just if you look on paper, um, and I don't say this with any disrespect to the Blues, but I think it's just the Avs are a better team. They've shown that throughout the year. Um, But that doesn't mean that they're necessarily going to win because we know, especially in hockey, which is a pretty random sport, the best team doesn't always win. Uh, If you're looking at why the Avalanche are good, um, I think it, it starts with, both their star power and their depth. I mean, Nathan McKinnon's a top five player in the world. Cal McCarr's maybe a top five player in the world, probably the top defenseman in the world. Um, Nico Rantanen's a top-level winger. Gabriel Landeskog, their captain's an elite-level player. Um, these are all guys who had monster years despite all of them dealing with injuries at points and missing significant time. Um, defensively, they're really deep with Cal McCarr and Devon Page leading the way but they've got good players up and down the lineup there. And I think if you look at their forward group, um, even their second-level forwards are pretty elite players. So it, it should be a good series. I'm really excited to see how the Blues forwards match up with the Avalanche forwards because the Blues have um, arguably a deeper forward group than the Avalanche, and it should be a, a fun matchup. Peter, is there any vulnerabilities or potential mismatch that the Avs have that you think the Blues could take advantage of? We know that they're a really complete team from top to bottom, but do you think that there's any sort of hole that the Blues could exploit? Yeah, I don't think there's any like super apparent holes. I do think that there's the Blues. I look at like the Blues third line as maybe a potential advantage for St. Louis. I don't know exactly how they're going to do their lineup. I'll find out more today at Morning Skate um, with with the blues. I don't know how, like who they currently are playing on their third line, but I do think that they're, they maybe are a little deeper at forward. I think the abs have a better, probably first line. 
and that's often a big line in playoff series because sometimes the top lines kind of cancel each other out. How is Darcy Kemper? He had the eye injury against the Predators in the in the first round. Any issues at all with Darcy Kemper's eye? Yeah, they got lucky. He's good to go. He uh, honestly, he was. I think it sound, from what it sounded like, he was physically ready to play Game Four. It just the his like eyelid was swollen. So, but there was no damage to the eye itself. So, since his eyelid was swollen, he like couldn't see well enough to play. But like physically, he was ready to go. And the swelling's gone down, and he'll be good to go for tonight. Peter, the Avs haven't played since May 9th. They took care of the Nashville Predators by sweeping them in the first round. Do you think that's a pro that they haven't played and they could rest and get healthy, or a negative because they might have lost some momentum? Yeah, I think that's a fair question, and I'm not 100% sure. I think it's it's interesting because they, they it does allow bumps and bruises to heal, and like the Predators series, while it wasn't very long, there were some physical games in there. There was an overtime game that can take it out of you. So I think that helps. I, I also am curious because like the blues are, at this point, like haven't played for been what five or six days for them too. So I, I think like in some ways it kind of cancels out. And I think maybe both teams will be a little rusty at the beginning of the game. And I think that rust probably will go away pretty quickly. Um, but I think that both teams, I'm excited because both teams are, I don't think the, I, it doesn't, Correct me if I'm wrong, but it doesn't seem like Krug is fully ready to go yet. But mm-hmm. it seems like it seems like these two teams are now like pretty much healthy, which is honestly what you want to see in a playoff series. You want to see two teams at their best. Peter Baugh of the Athletic with us on 101 ESPN. Peter covers the Avalanche, and obviously you uh, you see every game. And we've been talking about the Blues' size and their ability to maintain uh, maintain puck possession in the offensive zone, and about being able to hit the opposition. And we look at Makar at 5'11", 187, Taves 6'1", 191, Gerard 5'10", 170. My question, Peter, is a guy who watches that team every day. It's one thing to talk about the fact that they aren't that big. Another thing altogether to catch them and hit them. Has anybody been able to catch and hit those avalanche defensemen this year certainly not mccarr i mean that guy is he's so elusive and he skates so well and he also he's only yeah he's like five eleven, six foot somewhere in that range but like he can lay a big hit too he's had a few monster hits this year that you don't necessarily expect because the way the way the coaching staff sees him the way he sees it is it's often better for him to just dodge a hit and like take the puck and go up ice rather than hit a guy and let someone else get the puck. The puck's better. The team's better when the puck's on his stick. Um, I think you saw Gerard struggle with the physicality in the playoffs last year a little bit, but he looks good in the Vegas or in the um, national series. He, I thought he played played really well. Taves is he's he's got. I mean, he's not a huge guy, but he's got a little size at six one, and he's a he's he's more than capable and can move the puck well. And I, I don't anticipate that being a problem for him. The Avalanche did kind of address your um, concerns, though, at the deadline by getting Josh Manson, mm-hmm. who's a, I think he's 6'3", six, 6'4", six, and he's a big physical player who doesn't have maybe, like, crazy skill or, like, do anything crazy on the ice, but he makes a lot of good, simple plays and is more that physical defenseman who can, can lay ahead. And they really like playing him with Gerard because they think that it, it kind of opens up some space for, for Gerard. So, Definitely they, the size advantage and physicality maybe caught them off guard in the playoffs last year, but it seems like they kind of made a point to try and address that this year. And Peter, 
you mentioned at the top of the interview that McKinnon could be a top five player in the league. It wouldn't be outrageous to put McCarr in that class either, would it? No, I mean, I mean, if you look at Kel McCarr and you watched him play the last, but honestly, this whole season he's been unbelievable. McKinnon said after they beat Nashville, he said he might be the top player in the league right now, and I think that it's like, I mean. You are, then you watch McDavid against the Kings, and you're like, all right, wow, <laughs> McDavid looks pretty awesome. Um, but I think that he is in that conversation. He's earned the right to be in that conversation. He's a really, really special player, and I think you can hear that when you hear guys like Paul Coffey talk about him and Wayne Gretzky talk about him and Ray Bork talk about him and the way they view this guy. Nick Lidstrom has like, sung his praises, and the way they talk about this guy is pretty – telling i mean this isn't he does not have very many weaknesses to his game and i think it's it's pretty impressive to watch on a nightly basis peter the colorado avalanche have been uh, a team to contend or a team to be reckoned with for a couple seasons now but they haven't really gotten through into that deep run into the playoffs you mentioned all the star power and the depth this is a team that could really go on a run and get to the stanley cup finals perhaps win it all but the fact that they haven't gotten it done in years past do you think there's any pressure surrounding this team yeah, I mean, I definitely think there's pressure. I don't know if – I think the pressure is mostly internal and they know how strong of a group this is and that they have um, a lot of – like, this This team isn't going to be the same next year. They have a lot of – Kemper's a free agent, Kadri's a free agent, Nechushkin's a free agent, Burkowski's a free agent, Manson's a free agent, just to name a few. So, like, they know that this team isn't going to look the same next year and that if they want to win a cup with this core, now's – as good a chance as they're going to get. I mean, they're still going to be contenders past this year, but now is probably as good of a chance as they have. So I think there's pressure because of that. The whole part of like not having a deep run is, I mean, that's a fair point to bring up because they haven't gotten out of the second round. I do think that there are some nuances within the, um, the times they've lost. So in 2019, they lost to San Jose, who was Colorado was pretty young at that point. San Jose had a better roster. Like, that was just a series they lost. It wasn't necessarily a like choke job or anything like that. Then you look at um, you look at the Dallas series. The next year, everyone was hurt. They're, they were on their third string goaltender. Landis guy was out. Eric Johnson was out. They they were down like seven players. Last year's the series that when you talk to them and you talk to Coach Jared Bednar, like that sings. They like really feel that was a chance to make a deep, deep run and they let it get away from them. So I think they're aware of it, but I, and I think there's pressure internally just because they know you only get so many cracks at this and they, and they want to make the most of it. Okay. Last thing for Peter Baugh from the athletic, you're a St. Louis native. You grew up here, you went to Mizzou. Uh, so who's your family rooting for? You cover the, uh, the avalanche every day and your family's uh, they, they grew up blues fans. So who, who are they rooting for? Well, I think that my dad is, my dad really likes uh, watching me cover games and stuff like that. He's very supportive, which I'm very grateful for. And my mom's the same way. So I think they probably um, would like to see me continue to, <laughs> to write about a, a playoff run. But they're very happy that the ads are playing St. Louis because it means I get to visit home, which I'm really excited for. And we're excited to have you here. We'll see you in the Blues and the Avalanche return to St. Louis. Have fun covering the series. We'll continue to read your great work at The Athletic. Peter, thanks so much for the time and have a great day. Yeah, thank you so much for having me. You bet. See you later. That is Peter Baugh, St. Louis guy, and as we mentioned, covered Mizzou for the Athletic and now covers the Colorado Avalanche and doing a good job there. Yeah, that has to be a tough position to be in if you're his family member because you want him to continue to have success and to cover a potential Stanley Cup champion. 
If you're from St. Louis, how do you cheer against the Blues? It's got to be a a tough spot to be in. Yeah, no doubt. That's Michelle. I'm Randy. Darren Pang with more on the Blues and the Avalanche next on 101 ESPN. We're right back to the Carriker and Smallman podcast presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. We're talking everything St. Louis Blues as we head into the Boardwalk Hardwood Floors Blues booth. Boardwalk Hardwood Floors has great floors for every home with locations in West County, South County, St. Charles County, and our new location in Mid-County. And online at BoardwalkHardwood.com. 101 ESPN will be on site at Enterprise Center before games three and four. If you've got tickets and you're headed to Enterprise for either game three on Saturday or game four on Monday, make sure to get there early to enjoy the Bud Light happy hour pregame party in the Anheuser-Busch Beer Garden beginning two hours prior prior to puck drop. Enjoy live music, food, and drink specials and stop by the 101 ESPN table to get registered to win a signed Blues jersey. Michelle and Randy head to the Brown and Crouppen Celebrity Line. Darren Pang is joining us now from Denver. The uh, Blues analyst will be on the TNT broadcast tonight of the Blues and the Avalanche Game 1. Good morning, Panger. How are you doing? Good morning. I'm doing fantastic. I mean, obviously ready to go. Uh, both the team flew in there yesterday after their practice and uh, I came a little bit later on and I, I know just getting into City like Colorado, uh, you know what? They're 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 jumping right now. I mean, they've been on a on a bit of a hold. They've been waiting around, so I think they're a little anxious here. And um, and I think this is one of those games where maybe the Blues can take advantage of that first game of the series. And Panger, we need to point out to people that you are not doing a Blues broadcast tonight. <laughs> so it's a national broadcast, and you're going to be more objective than you. And not that you aren't objective, and don't tell it like it is on Blues broadcast. But it's not a home broadcast. People have to understand that tonight. I think that's always, yeah, I mean, yeah, that's always a difficult thing for, for fans, and I know what that's like. I mean, John Kelly and I, I mean, it kills us not to be doing more than just one round, and everybody knows that. And same with our producer and director. I mean, mm-hmm. you know, when you work, you, 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 you know everything about the team and you're, you're dialed into it. But I, I always feel like that, you know, the game's the game, and I, 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 got, I got just as excited when Kirill Kaprizov scored that beautiful couple of goals in, you know, what, game five, and I mean, hockey's hockey's supposed to be that way, but uh, I think I've got a great team here. Brendan Burke actually started his career in Peoria, um, and now is you know now is a national play-by-play guy and does work with the Islanders. And then I got Shane Knighty as well as an analyst that's going to be there. So I'm going to be between the benches. Shane Knighty's going to be upstairs with Brendan, and I, I think we've got, we've got a really good team. And I hope the Blues fans really enjoy the broadcast. I'm sure they will, Panger. It'll be excellent. Uh, now, we know that the Colorado Avalanche is going to be a really tough opponent. They have an explosive offense, good goaltending, solid defense. When you look at this matchup, what do you think a winning formula is for the St. Louis Blues? Um, take away Kale McCarr's skates and throw them into the Mississippi. <laughs> <laughs> good start. Yeah, that's right. Uh, you know, well, I mean, number one, like any offensively explosive team, which they are, and, and we, you know, we know that they, they can score, their power play can get going. Um, I think you, you have to frustrate them, uh, not allowing them to transport the puck through the neutral zone. They're one of the best in the league. They get that puck through, the, whether it's Kale McCarr or, or Devon Taves on the back end, or whether it's, uh, you know, the top line with McKinnon or, or Rantanen, and they, they just go. So if you can stop them somewhere in that area between the two, you know, between the two blue lines and, and, and stick them in a little bit of mud right there, then that gets them frustrated. And when you get a skilled team that gets frustrated, then 
you know, then you know that you're on your game. So I think, I mean, that would be number one, is not allowing them to enter the zone. So that means really good, solid, neutral zone coverage. And, uh, and, and you know, the other thing, other teams have talked about this, um, that if you can get Nathan McKinnon, you know, slamming doors and, and kind of slamming sticks on the boards or having short shifts, then you're doing a really good job because, he, you know, he has a tendency, like a lot of star players, to get frustrated. So um, I know in the past the Blues players have talked about that, and I know other teams have also talked about that. Panger, the the Blues' history is of being, especially at this time of year, uh, a team that really bangs. Uh, two-parter here. Is is this team a team that can bang like 2019? And is the Avalanche, they're pretty big up front. Are, are they a team that you can bang against? Oh, boy. You're, you are absolutely right about their size. I, I mean, you know, Atlanta Skog, and, and even, even McKinnon's a, a good 200, you know, probably 10, 20-pounder. Um, and then Lanton's the same thing. Big, big boy. Um, I, I don't think you want to waste your time, um, you know, running around looking for hits. I think the Blues were a little guilty of that in certain games against the Minnesota Wild until they kind of calmed things down there in game four, five, and six. Um, but when you when you get a chance, no matter what the size of the player is, I mean, you have to get you have to get some skin. As Steve Ott, the assistant coach of the Blues, he always says that you got to get in there and you got to get some skin. I mean, you got to get a shoulder on shoulder. You you can't just skate away from a potential hit if you've got a chance to you know to drill a guy, even even with the size that that, that they are. So um, I wouldn't expect to run this team out of the building, um, but I still think you can hit the right players and and get on them a little bit and and cause them maybe to be uncertain and to be a little anxious with the puck. Panger, special teams were such an important factor in the Blues beating the Wild in round one. How critical do you think special teams could be in this series versus the Avs? Yeah, they they, they always tend to, to be, you know, an important factor. Um, the fact that the Blues scored on some of the bad penalties that Minnesota took in that series can really suck the life out of the opposition. You know, when you're playing hard and you're working hard and you take a penalty – you know, then you can almost live with that. But if you take a bad penalty and you end up scoring a goal against that team or you take a bad penalty and they score against you, then that can really uh, really suck the life out of the bench and the team and, and, and what your mission is, what your goal is. So, um, But I would say that you do not want to be trotting to the penalty box and allowing Kale McCarr to run the point on that power play because even if they don't score, I mean, have you ever – have you really watched that Kale McCarr up top? It, it is like, it's like, okay, he's over there. He's over here. He moves his hips this way. He opens up that way. Looks like he's going to the left. No, he's going to the right. I mean, I would imagine the first, the first man on your, on your penalty kill, like a, a Tyler Bozak often leads the charge and he's up top. I mean, that's, that's tiring. That, that's exhausting. So that's the last thing you want to do. And then the next thing is they also have those big guys go right to the front of the net. Landis Scott goes right there. So that's hard, too, because that shot from the point might not be the hardest, but you can't see it. And so you got Landeskog and Rantanen, and they get down there, obviously, in front of that net. So that, that just, I mean, that, that would wear you down. So you've got to be incredibly disciplined here. Panger, how about this one? Eric Johnson, former Blue, this was his 12th season in Colorado with the Avalanche. Of the four sports teams there, Rockies, Broncos, Nuggets, Avalanche, he's the longest tenured Denver athlete. You know, I, I found that out uh, when I was doing a game earlier for TNT in, in Colorado. I, I found that to be quite, I mean, quite interesting. I mean, you know, I mean, you think about how many players came and went from that trade from the Blues, including Shattenkirk and and and, uh, and Stewie. Um, 
Uh, I'm not sure what other players came on that, but I think those are the, those was are it, the two um, main guys. The, the the center that wore number 18 here, uh, Mick. Uh, he was an Irish guy. I'll I'll get oh, it. Oh, Jay McClement. Jay McClement. There Jay you Mc- go. That's right. You're right. So I mean, you think about how long ago that was, and where those other players have gone. I mean, Stewart's retired. McClement's retired. Um, you know, and, and Shattenkirk just signed. You know, he's got another deal there with with, uh, with Anaheim. But yeah, that is very interesting. And and he, you know, Nije now is a different defenseman. I mean, he's paired on, on the on the on the last grouping. He he'll, he'll get a lot of the penalty kill stuff. Um, he'll get some matchups as well. So um, he's he's been a good pro for this organization here in in Denver for for that amount of time. He's been a yeah, he's been good for them. That was a good trade for both teams, I thought. I thought, of, you know, and obviously for Colorado because they've had him this long. Right, no doubt. Panger, we can't wait to be tuned in tonight. Blues and the Avalanche. 8.30 is start time that's listed on our board right here. What are you thinking about, 8.50 again? <laughs> yeah, I'm probably, I probably am. I'm probably thinking about uh, 8.48. If we can get those guys in the studio to, to, <laughs> to you know, let us, let us take some breath and get the puck dropped over here, we'll be fine. But there's also a game right before us too, so yeah. we're the second part of the doubleheader. So um, ho- hopefully, uh, hopefully everybody gets a TNT and and uh, um, and, and enjoys the game because I'm really looking forward to it. I mean, this is this, these are exciting moments, and I know that the Blues are anxious to get back at Colorado after what happened last year. Yeah, it's this is what it's all about, Panger. It's great talking to you. Thanks so much. Have fun there, and we'll see you back here in St. Louis over the weekend. Yeah, sounds good, Randy and Michelle. Have a good week. You too. Take care. Thanks. That's Darren Pang with us on 101 ESPN. I'm anxious, too. I can't wait for this puck to drop. It should be a really comp- – I hope it's a really competitive series. The The Blues – here's the thing. I think the Blues have to play their A game to win the series. I have no reason to believe that they won't. I don't think Colorado necessarily has to play their A game to win the series. That's probably fair. Yeah, because they're just so immensely talented. They're, they're really, really, really good. I mean, as we spoke with Peter Baugh – if you list the top 10 players, let's go top 10 players in the whole league. McCarr and McKinnon are both on that list. Of course, they're both superstars. They're yeah. both unbelievable. But do you think that that could be a contributing factor if you don't feel like you need to play 100% mm-hmm. to win, especially during the Stanley Cup playoffs? You have to be not only at a 10, you have to be at like a 13 during the entire series, mentally, physically. The intensity of the Stanley Cup playoffs is unlike anything else. And after you handle the Nashville Predators so easily, the way that they did, you have almost 10 days off. I just wonder if that's going to be a contributing factor at all. I could absolutely see that. And here's another point that I thought about with Panger. When he was talking about McKinnon, how around the league the perception is, if McKinnon is, is slamming doors and slamming his stick on the on the wall, mm-hmm. Who is better at making people angry like that than Jordan Bennington? Oh, that's a good one. Who's, who frustrates forwards more with their competitiveness and just their, their growl than, than Jordan Bennington? I can't wait to see 50 in this series. It's going to be fun. He he looks like playoff Jordan Bennington. He thrives under pressure. This is a guy that loves going into opposing buildings during the playoffs and asserting himself it's going to be really fun. All right. We want a few of your texts. We want to get your predictions for this series coming up. Blues getting no respect, but here in St. Louis they are. So we want to know what you're thinking about this series as we head down the stretch here on 101 ESPN. We're right back to the Character and Smallman podcast presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. Now through next Friday, those limited edition Dunk CD 16 t-shirts are only available to order for a few more days. Now through the 20th, this Friday, 
You can order this year's CD16 t-shirt in honor of Dunk. It's a baby blue jersey. And proceeds from all sales are going to support the Chris Duncan Memorial Scholarship Fund. Check out your limited edition Dunk baby blue number 16 jersey t-shirt and order yours at 101ESPN.com. One of the great deals in uh, St. Louis is, Michelle, when you go to Schnooks, they have like bunches of bananas that you can get for like two bucks. It's great. Just rubbing it in, Randy. Michelle's banana broke during the break. So I normally bring something to snack on during the show. I don't eat breakfast before the show. I probably should. But, you know, when you get up that early, there's just not enough Mm -hmm. time. There's just not enough time. So I usually pack a bar or a banana or something. And the show flew by today and I hadn't even eaten my banana. And I thought, oh, man, it's 9.51. I'm starving. Let me try and get a bite of this banana off before we come back from break. So I slowly peeled the banana. I peeled it all the way to the bottom. I was holding the base of it. And the entire thing went and broke off and plopped on the ground. So thank goodness this is the last segment of the show or else you'd have to deal with a hangry Michelle. So And one of the things with kids, there's called this five-second rule. And that banana was not on the floor for five seconds. So you could have if you wanted to. Uh, there's also this thing called I work with all dudes and yeah. you guys don't clean up Try after yourselves. Discuss. And this, this we all have dogs. This studio every morning I have to come in and wipe it down That's with true. Clorox wipes because it's always sticky or there's food crumbs mm-hmm. all over the place. I mean, this would be. Um, it's like a college dorm. It is kind of like a college dorm. I was going to say it would be like a, a mouse or a rat's heaven in here mm-hmm. if they could get in here somehow because there's always. I you know what I never understand is if you if the dudes eat like this in the studio, what does your house look like? Is there just crumbs and half empty soda cans and crumpled paper all over your house because you don't clean up in a collectively shared group space? What does your home look like? My house is uh, very neat. Is that because of you or because no, of your lovely it's not wife, John? because Joan? of me. It's not because of me. If you lived solo, Randy, would you be I, messy? I would be forced to neaten up a little bit. I would I would neaten up a little bit. But would you be yeah. clean or would you pay a cleaning lady to come or something? Oh, I'd absolutely pay a cleaning lady. <laughs> yeah, there's no doubt about that. Matt, what about you? Are you clean? I've gotten much better as I've gotten older. I have a roommate who is uh, very OCD, and I've and out of respect for the fact that we have a shared space, I've gotten much, much, much better about things. Like I'm, I'm not bad, but like you know, I would leave a dish in the, I would leave a dish in the in the sink, you know, mm-hmm. and go to bed, you know, after I'd spray it off, and I would I'd wait until the next morning to put it in the dishwasher, and now I put it in the dishwasher immediately because sure. I know it's going to bother my roommate, and I'm trying to be courteous, and it's making me better, and it's going to make me a better hum- human being and things like that. So yeah, I need to get better at it. Some of your texts from the. Three- 314 Blues in six from the 217. I'm flying out of St. Louis on May 27th and don't need to run into the game day traffic. Blues in five from the 314. Blues, this is very specific, guys. Uh, Blues win in seven with Perron beating Eric Johnson on a breakaway to wow. win it in overtime. I could see it. In game seven. Blues prediction if the Blues can win game one in Colorado tonight, they'll win the series in six. Hashtag let's go blues. That one from the 314. Let's go Blues. Uh, blues prediction. If uh, Another one. Blues in five. Vladdy and Perron both have a hat trick at some point, and Bennington gets one shutout. That's from the 618. From the 314, this is along the lines of you, Michelle. DP57 does a great job with frustrating forwards, too, guys. Will in Cottleville. Yeah, Perron is going to be a hassle for the Avalanche. He does. We always look at Braden Shen first, but David Perron loves to do that, too. He loves to find ways to get under the opponent's skin. I think this is going to be a massive series for DP57. And I picked him as my series MVP. You did. From the 314, I think the Blues need to come out tonight and lay the smackdown. 5-2. <laughs> Blues in six. 
lay the smack down. Let's go. That's very good. Uh, and the Blues in five, and they will score at least three goals in three of the games in this series. Say that one again. Uh, picks the Blues in five and says they'll score at least three goals in three of the games. Okay. I could see it. They have a lot of depth. Yep. Do you think we see another Hattie in this series? I we do. saw three in the first yeah, one. I, th- I, I think uh, uh, Hattie from Daddy Vladdy. Big Daddy Vladdy, Natty Hattie? I don't know if it'll be a Natty, but it'll be a Big Vladdy, Daddy Hattie. I'm, I'm into it. Do we see a third goaltender from you know in this series period? Mm. Not if everybody stays healthy. If the Blues can get somebody to poke uh, Darcy Kemper in the eye, which would be wonderful. <laughs> Uh, that'd be great. Fran- so many parts Fran- of the show to edit out today. Yeah. yeah. Fran Kuz leaves a little bit to be desired as a goaler. You don't want him in the playoffs. So, yeah, I would like to see that. I'm just not planning on it. So you think that Jordan Bennington is going to stand on his head? I do. Yeah. He'll, he'll be he'll be the difference in the series. Did you watch the Emily Kaplan piece on Jordan Bennington? Yes. Everybody, if you haven't watched it, you need to be sure to do it. It's outstanding. Um, just hearing him talk about this past year and what it was like for him to have the ups and downs of a season and they looked back on what happened before 2019, the Mm -hmm. ups and downs that he experienced before he came to the NHL and set the Blues on fire. There's so many parallels there and just listening to him talk, Randy, that even keel Mm -hmm. confidence in himself, you could just see that confidence back in in his eyes and I'm looking forward to seeing the way that he responds in this series. The video is about 10 minutes long, and you have about 23 hours to watch it, because Emily Kaplan will be joining us tomorrow morning at 8.15. There All you go. Right. Good deal. There you looking go. Looking forward to that. Be sure to watch it. Uh, we have a balloon party with T-Mac and Ajax coming up here on 101 ESPN. Great job today by our producer, engineer, and uh, resident Billiken fan, Matthew Rocchio. Pleasure. He's wearing his Billiken pullover Me, today. I'm a big John Rothstein fan right now. Michelle, this was fun. Sorry about the banana. It's all right. You know what? I will survive. I will persevere. And Need let's to be go a blues. Song. Need to be a song about I Will Survive. Yeah, uh, <laughs> hashtag LGB. And uh, we still want you to be up with us tomorrow morning at 7. For all of us, we thank you for tuning in, texting in, and being a part of the show. Blues start tonight at 8.48, Panger said. But until tomorrow morning at 7, have a great day and enjoy the game, St. Louis. You've been listening to the Character and Smallman podcast, presented by Dom's Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. Hi, this is Chris Howard, host of Plugged In with Chris Howard. The college football playoff committee made their decision on Sunday, and as much as I loathe the idea of Ohio State losing their way into the college football playoff, I 100% agree with OSU making it in over Bama. Nick Saban citing some hypothetical point spreads to prove his point that the tie deserve a spot in the college football playoffs holds little substance when you consider Bama's best win is over Texas. No, the committee got it right. TCU had a great season with far more ranked wins than Bama and didn't deserve to lose their spot after playing a surging Kansas State in a championship game. And Ohio State, while not playing some of their best ball later in the season, was still 12-0 until they came face-to-face with my Wolverines. While the college football playoff system isn't nowhere near as good as it could be, it's better than what we had. And in a few years, it will be better for all of college football. Hi, this is Chris Howard, host of Plugged In with Chris Howard. Get the latest odds and trends for every professional and amateur league out there. From football to basketball to soccer and esports, we've got it all at BetOnline.net. And if you love sports podcasts, you can find those at BetOnline as well. And don't forget, BetOnline for the NHL, MMA, boxing, and golf. Head to the website today or use your mobile device to learn more. BetOnline, where the game starts. Grab a 30-day free trial of Live by Live Plus, and you'll get unlimited skips, commercial-free music, and all of the podcasts and live streaming events you can handle. Visit livexlive.com slash podcast one to learn more and start your free trial.